You're listening to The Nerd Table, part of the CKCC Radio Family of Podcasts. Find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Once again, you have sat down at The Nerd Table. My name is Chris, and his name is Eric. How you doing, Eric? Pretty good, Chris. How are you? I am a little hungry. Not going to lie. A little hungry? I could, I could go for some food right now. But I could always go for some food. Yes, I have. We've established that. <laughs> we have one hundred percent established that before. Yes, uh, the nerd table is a table after all. So let's put some freaking food on it. I right? Ah, uh, what do you want? Some Doritos? Well, only for Doritos. Never. I want a cheeseburger. <laughs> I want a, a big juicy cheeseburger. Yeah. Yeah, that does sound pretty nice. Or some chicken or, or some chicky nuggies, just like Baby Yoda. Oh my god. And Those meals are great. Well, you know what? That's gonna be a segue into something we're gonna talk about on this show. So real quick, guys, we've got a pretty action-packed show for you here. We have an interview recorded with my good friend Andy Calapitas, former drummer of a band called Quarter Inch Fuse. He and I go way back. It's almost a two-hour interview, but it's a really fascinating look at the music industry, what it takes to build your own drum kit, something he's actually working on right now. It's a very musically, very musically heavy episode, I would say. Very, but very good stuff. Very fun interview that we did with Andy. So I want to make sure we get to that, and I'm not going to waste too much time here, but I do have to do my plugs. Of course, this show is part of CKCC Radio, and while we are the number one show on CKCC Radio currently, there's lots of great content to check out, including Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk, our weekly wrestling show, Real Paranormal Talk, a bi-weekly paranormal investigation show with Jeff Trelowitz, Ranking Tracks, also with Jeff Trelowitz, also bi-weekly. He alternates which show he does. He takes an album, ranks it from worst to best. Jay Bunny's Music Hub with my good friend Jason Shin, whose name comes up a few times in our interview. He's got the backlog we're uploading here, but he interviews people in the music industry, so there's more music for you. The Board to Death Binge Cast with Jay, Chris, Zeke, and Sam. New episodes every single week. Their newest one involving Mobile Suit Gundam, part seven of their binge of Mobile Suit Gundam. The Race Nerd Podcast with Matt Hardman for all you race fans out there. And the first Monday of every month is Motivational Moves with Adrian Cotton. Our local travel agent, by the way, who might have a deal coming up for listeners of the Nerdcast pretty soon. So just kind of uh, keep your ear on hit on that. And if you guys want even more nerd discussion, my good friends at the Blake and Sal Show and the United We Fan Podcast have you covered. Those are our partner shows running independently from us, but we are affiliated with them as partners. And where they succeed, we succeed. I think that pretty much covers the plugs right now. Before we get to our interview, though, I have to talk about it. We finally got the trailer for The Mandalorian Season 2. And, and it looks so good. It oh looks my God. amazing. I can't wait. <sighs> I heard there was some drama on set, but... When is there not drama on a set, though? <laughs> like... I know. I feel like any good show or movie is going to have some sort of drama on set. And that's just because, you know, passion. Passion's going to happen, and sometimes your ideas are not going to match what others uh, have. So Absolutely. Yeah, when passion takes over, that can happen. But that's uh, that's also why 
I would rather disagree and argue with a passionate person than deal with somebody who doesn't care about anything and never have a crossword with them. And I'm I'm serious about that. I I love passion. I mean, you and I are passionate about doing this podcast. Yeah, we're having a blast doing it, and people are having a blast listening to it. Uh, I don't have thank a lot of. Uh, by the way, yeah, thank you guys. As, of course, we appreciate it as always. I don't have any specific shout-outs this week, but I do. I did get a lot of cool feedback from people, a lot of generic stuff, and I want to. I want to thank you guys, and I hope you guys continue to provide that feedback. We appreciate it. I read everything that's sent to me on Twitter. I read everything sent to me on Facebook. So, e- even if I don't personally acknowledge you back, I want you to know that I do read everything. Uh, yeah, Mandalorian Season 2 will be dropping on October 30th, and the big the big thing, of course, is it looks like he has to reunite the child with his own kind, and he's questionable about this because he doesn't trust these ancient sorcerers, the Jedi, which... In this part of the Star Wars timeline, the Jedi were always considered enemies. That was part of the em- the Empire propaganda, right? Darth Sidious took over the Empire and then made it seem like the Jedis were the most evil things ever. And that's a, a widespread thing. What I mean, look at Rey, you know? she, Her and her and Finn, when they meet Han Solo, they're just like, man, we've, we've only ever heard stories, but Luke Skywalker was real? He sure was. A real person. The Jedi existed. But everything. All of it. <laughs> but my girl, Sasha Banks, my favorite my favorite wrestler currently, makes an appearance in the trailer as a mysterious hooded figure spying on Mando. And we're not a hundred percent sure what her role is, but there has been speculation. So here's the rumor mill, right? We know for a fact that Rosario Dawson is going to appear as Ahsoka Tana. That's we know that that's been confirmed. First time Ahsoka will make a appearance as a live action character. Sasha will, was rumored to be playing Ahsoka, but of course, once that got debunked, people were like, "Well, who could she possibly be playing?" Well, it looks like she might be a Jedi or someone associated with a Jedi. Well, at the time, she I think she still had her hair done. As a, as a unique color. She currently has it blue. I don't know if it was purple when she shot the scenes. I think, I think she was blue-haired at the time. But she has the right skin complexion and wacky hair to play Sabine Wren from Rebels. And if you overlook how the Rebels storyline, or the Rebels timeline, I should say, coincides with the Mandalorian, this is about the time that she's with Ahsoka Tano. So... Is Sasha's character someone who is going to be the connection between the Mandalorian and the appearance of Ahsoka Tano? I think yes. I think that's who she's playing. Because it's been confirmed that character's appearing, but it has never been said who's playing her. So maybe that's... Like, we... We know Rosario Dawson. We know Katie Sackoff is going to be on the show, but her character has been named. I don't know who the hell it is, but her character's got a name already, so it ain't her. So perhaps that's what we'll see. But my favorite part of the trailer is when they're at, like, the underground fight club and they all draw their weapons on each other and little baby Yoda. (laughs) He's like, nope, I'm out. (laughs) Nope, he just nopes right out. He covers himself up. I freaking giggled so hard when I uh, saw that. 
That, that's such a good scene. Uh, I I cannot wait. I loved this first season of The Mandalorian, and I cannot wait to see more. That wasn't the only reveal we got this week, Eric. Oh my god. Now for my passion to come out. PlayStation 5. Yes. It, 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 they finally came out with some prices. They actually had some pre-orders. The, I mean, the pre-orders are insane, by the yes. way. Sony has already publicly apologized. In fact, today, as we record this episode, they publicly apologized. Yeah. But it's, it's looking good. It's not as cheap as the Xbox, right? So you're still paying a set of $299. It's $399 for the digital and $499 for, uh, for, for the normal one. And I think that's actually a decent price, right? So if we're looking spec to spec or spec for spec, the Xbox digital is not as strong as the normal Xbox or, well, what the Xbox will be when it comes out. Right. It's not going to be playing these games at 4K. It's going to be playing at 1440p and upscaling them, which is fine. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to tell a difference, honestly, unless you're like really trying to find the difference if you're getting one of these consoles right you're just there to enjoy the games you're not there staring at the screen trying to be like oh well you know this grain of grass or this like a uh, blade of grass is different on this one versus this one nobody really cares about that blade of grass you're either play the games <laughs> but in the ps5 case the digital and the uh the disc version we'll call it that is the same. It's basically the same processor and stuff like that. It's just one has a disk drive when the other doesn't. So I feel like pricing it even $100 more than the digital Xbox, I think it's a, it's a good spot. I think we got everything covered. So me personally, I'll probably buy the digital version of the PS5. I know I said I like physical copy of the games, but I'm such an avid PC gamer that I only will get the exclusives and I feel like there's not going to be that many of them that I could fit all of them onto that hard drive. Okay. And the same same goes with the Xbox. So you're going to stick digitally for those because you're going to get everything that's cross-platform on PC anyway, but when it's just a PlayStation game or just an Xbox game, then you're going to be like, no, that's where I'm going to have it. So Exactly. I understand that. I, I agree with that. And uh, and who knows? Like if uh, if a good deal comes out or if a good bundle comes out um, before I buy mine, uh, like let's say two exclusive games for the PlayStation for fifty dollars off. At that point, I might as well get the the disc version, you know, because fifty bucks and now I have the ability to get physical copies. That's totally worth it, and I get the games. So and they got the bigger storage for it anyway, because you're going to have to install stuff. To Correct. It, but right. Right, but it would still would be different than having the digital copy of the game. It's still not as big of a file, right? So. But I, I feel like no, I think that's going to be the same size, honestly. Because if if you look at the way that they're going to be playing the games, how they ha- they want like no load times, you're going to have to download the entire game onto the hard drive. So regardless if you go physical or digital, the whole game is on that hard drive already. Gotcha. Um, I have to talk about Hogwarts Legacy. 
we are finally getting the Harry Potter game we've always wanted. An open world RPG in the Harry Potter universe. I hope it's really good. It looks phenomenal. And I remember I remember when I first like wrote up the concept for this type of game, I was like, they need to make a game like this. And I was like, I'm so clever. And then I remember I was like, no, I guarantee you every Harry Potter fan has been like, we want this game to exist. And I start looking it up and it's like, oh, yeah, everybody's had the same thought. I'm not that clever. Well, here it is. We wanted it like 10 years ago. I mean, I guess better late than never. But like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. But it's so cool. It'll be a customizable character. You get to attend Hogwarts, and there's going to be a whole world to explore. Yeah. And it's, it's... But what's cool is there will be a version of it on the PS4. So if I can't, and of course there will be a PC version, so if I can't just get a PS5, which I won't be able to for a while because I, I got some big expenditures in my life. I'm putting money aside for stuff. Uh, I can't just afford to waste it on a PS5 as much as I would want it, you know? Uh, I can still play it. You call it it waste. I call it an investment. Well, yeah. yeah, But yeah, but you understand. But so I I know I'm still going to be able to play it. And for one thing, I might actually get it on Windows PC. I might. So who knows? But I'm really excited for it. The trailer looked absolutely stunningly phenomenal. It looked like everything I could have ever wanted. And they announced uh, Final Fantasy 16, which I saw people were going nuts over. That trailer looks amazing. It it almost looks like it's... um. <clears throat> I know they, they've made this comparison before online, but it kind of looks like Final Fantasy, but in the Witcher setting. Which yeah. I'm... I'm a hundred percent down with that. I don't know a lot about like, the Final I'm, Fantasy I, Legacy because I don't really. I was never a big Final Fantasy gamer, but when I saw, but I did watch that trailer, and I knew that like, even me as somebody who's not big into Final Fantasy, even I was like, I think I want to play this. <laughs> I I think I want to play this. Uh, God of War Ragnarok. It's it's gonna be a great year for gamers. Resident Evil Village. What'd you think of that one? I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, the return of Chris Redfield. And basically what they said, uh, Capcom says it's going to dwell more on exploration and combat than Biohazard did, which was like the survival horror. So it could be interesting. I mean, I, I like exploration games, so... And then, of course, they announced all yeah. the launch titles, and one of them was Miles Morales, which people were going nuts over. Right. That's, I mean, it looks amazing. Uh, Demon Souls. Godfall. Awful looks good. Yeah, Godfall. Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition, so you can jump right in there. Uh, they have a game called Astro's Playroom, which is basically an, a, an introduction to the console and the new DualSense controller. It's actually kind of cool. It'll be bundled with all the PlayStation. So you already have something that'll probably probably be like something like Wii Sports. It's going to show off everything it can do. And that way you at least have something to play with. Uh, Destruction All-Stars. That was a launch title. Uh, Sackboy, a big adventure. So Sackboy's coming back. It's been a long time since we've seen him. And of course, Fortnite. 
So all the nine-year-olds have something to play to. Uh, Fortnite. <laughs> can, I, can I just say one thing about Fortnite? Like, do. I understand why people play it. I, I do. I don't know why it's getting so much hate. I don't play the game because I don't like those type of games. But, like... AMD is doing something really weird that I don't understand why. They're doing their big reveal of their next graphics card in Fortnite. Why? Okay, but I, I, I don't want to talk about it. I just, <laughs> just needed to And bet. you did. <sighs> All right. So, yeah, that's that's the cool stuff that happened this week in nerd news. Any other cool nerd news? We'll probably cover that next week because we got the big interview coming up. But before we get to that, uh, I got a lot of positive feedback telling a Vince McMahon story on last week's show because people just are they, – they're like, I can't believe that Vince is like – he's like this. It's This is crazy. And, yeah, he really is like this. So – to entertain you guys, because people want to hear more Vince McMahon stories, I have a one I'm going to tell. It's one of the funniest ones I've ever heard. Um, so how it used to work back in the day was people who were writing the show would go to Vince's house. He has this big mansion in Connecticut. And if the weather was nice, they would sit out by the pool and they would write television. Every Wednesday, you know, what for what would be upcoming for the following Monday's Raw or whatever else they were working on. But the big thing with when you're with Vince McMahon is if he has to take a personal or business-related phone call, you have to basically stop what you're doing because he can't work while Vince isn't there because he can't – he won't be included, right? So those would be the breaks pretty much. Okay, Vince takes a phone call. He disappears. So the two guys telling the story are Jim Cornette and Bruce Pritchard who both worked as managers or both writers at the time. And they say Vince is inside his house taking this phone call and in comes – their old friend, Pat Patterson. Eric, do you know the name Pat Patterson at all in wrestling? Uh, no. Okay. Doesn't sound familiar. Okay, so... Who does he play? <laughs> so he's a, he's a French-Canadian man. He was the first ever Intercontinental Champion. First openly gay wrestler. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was the first openly gay one. And uh, he's, a, he's apparently a very jovial, very nice guy, and Vince absolutely loves him. And he comes over while Vince has taken this phone call. So Vince doesn't know that he's at the house. And he's just like, what the fuck? Are you ever going to come out of this house? Like, geez. He's got the, the accent and everything. And Pat loved to – because everybody in wrestling loves to fuck with each other. That's the thing. They Everybody – they pull ribs on each other. They pull pranks. And Pat says he – Pat basically disappears right before Vince comes back out. And he just looks at the guys and goes, watch this. And he disappears. So Vince comes out and he's like, all right, guys, where were we? And they're, they're getting back to work. Pat had gone out to the, uh, the, the landscapers, right? And he had grabbed one of their leaf blowers. So as Vince comes out to start working, all of a sudden on the other side of the pool, like behind the shrubs so you can't see him, he hears the, this leaf blower basically right on top of them. And Vince has got like this dirty look on his face because he's like, oh, great. They've been out here working all morning and now they're on top of us when I want to when I'm out here. So whatever. So they're talking, and he just keeps revving this thing up, and Vince keeps getting the disgusted look every time. Finally, he sticks it through the hedges and starts kind of blowing the air at them. And Vince starts yelling, hey, amigo, amigo, 
por favor, like he's trying to get this guy's attention. And as a response, he revs the thing up full blast and blasts all the papers off the table. He's got Vince's hair all messed up and everything. So he's scrambling. They said Vince gets up and he does that Vince McMahon power walk that he does. Like, he starts stomping towards the other side of the bushes like he's going to go wreck this dude. Hey, amigo! And then he sees it's his buddy Pat with a big smile on his face. And once he realized that he got caught, that he got pranked, he starts laughing. Big belly laughing out loud because, you know, he, because that, that shit entertains him. So, but I'm sitting there picturing it in my head, like Vince just getting all pissed off, thinking that this guy's ruining everything on the deck. And then he realized he got pranked. He just starts freaking losing it laughing. Because you gotta. Yeah. Oh man, you gotta. So yeah, so uh, this guy, see, I had I've, I've heard a lot of these stories before, but I literally thought that that's just his persona, like that's his, like he's acting out or something like that. I didn't really think that's him, like that's yeah. who he is as a person, you know? Like, like so one just of my, hearing some of these, he always has to be in control. So he hates when people sneeze. He thinks because you're not in control of that, and he gets annoyed by it. He uh. He, he carries like this this really expensive electric razor in his briefcase and he's constantly attacking his face with it because he refuses to let even a smidge of facial hair appear. He has to be in control of everything. It's so funny. And my one of my other favorite things was like Vince doesn't eat food for enjoyment. He eats it for fuel. So he'll only ever eat like steak at nice restaurants or if they're in a pinch because it's really late after a show, he'll take them to Denny's and special order like a 12 egg white omelet. And have you ever ordered something special at a Denny's at like two in the morning? And it uh, take, no. it, yeah, it takes an hour to get to you because there's only like one person in the kitchen at that time. So everything's in turmoil as a result. And like. He would always eat like a giant turkey sandwich with a little bit of mustard, but he would but he would eat it as fast as possible to fuel himself up so he could get back to work. He never ate anything for enjoyment. Although I did hear that he is a fan of snow cones and Oreos, and that's like a guilty pleasure. But then after he binges on Oreos, then he like has to go work out. <laughs> so you know, one of those guys. Good old oh, Vincent man. man. So yeah, uh. come on. Coming up on the Nerd Table here, we got a long interview with my good friend Andy. We have a lot of music to discuss on this week, so all you music fans out there, uh, sit back and enjoy stories from an actual musician and a lot of personal stories between me and him that we tell. Some really funny stories in there, too, just, you know, because it's, 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 we're reminiscing on the good old days. And, yes, yeah, some of them were you had to be there to enjoy them, but I think the way we tell the stories, you guys can kind of put yourself in the picture and enjoy we got Andy coming up right after this. Hi, I'm Dan Beck, and you may remember me from podcasts such as The Stupid Sexy Podcast. And I'm here today to talk to you about our Twitch channel. It's twitch.tv slash ckcc online. Watch us play some games. Usually me, occasionally Chris. Watch us play the games. We'll see you again. That is... Twitch.tv slash CKCC online. Joining us now on the program to talk music as history of music, his personal history of music, being in a band, building a drum kit, 
This guy and I go way back. I'd like to personally welcome to the nerd table my good friend Andy Kalapitas calling in. How you doing, buddy? Hey, what's going on? It's uh, Commissioner O'Mealy. How are you? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Andy and I go way back, guys. We actually attended college together. We were both in broadcasting school. And uh, we also worked at the college. So it was a very, very small department that we had. I think there was only maybe five or six of us max at one point. So we worked very, very closely together. But we Do go way you back. Remember, and- I'm wondering if you remember the first time that you and I met music related. Music related. I think I do. I'm pretty sure we were at the McAfee Firehouse. Yes! <laughs> and your band performed. And yep. you uh, almost beat the crap out of someone that night, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I <laughs> I won't say the person's name. I just, I just remembered that situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You have a pretty good memory. I, I wasn't sure if you'd remember that or not, but that was our first introduction. I I, I think because of that reason, I do actually re- remember that specifically. <laughs> so, not because you were filming? <laughs> no, because you almost killed someone and they deserved it. So, so yeah, yeah uh, to, to go back and, and paint the picture here for those of you who are listening to the show who don't know my friend Andy. For example, Eric doesn't actually know Andy. You've ne- guys have never met before, but uh, Andy's about six foot six. He's about four fifty, and I'm not talking fat four fifty. I'm talking stocky four fifty, covered in tattoos. In fact, you how are you doing on the ink front right now? You you got as much ink as you want? Or are you still going for more? I actually haven't gotten a tattoo in like ten years. Um... You know, I got a family now, so spending money on uh, on that kind of stuff is like. <laughs> you guys know how it is. You you both uh, you both have uh, wives, and you know you work for a living. It's like I don't have disposable income like that anymore. So I'm good where I'm at. <laughs> well, okay, that's that is fair. But yeah, this. So you guys are probably picturing in your head a bouncer and. At the time, you you had the shaved right. head and the really thick goatee, yep. so you looked like a freaking bouncer. And I don't know why anybody would start with you, but somebody tried and they almost died, and we almost filmed it. So. Well, it goes it goes back to high school. That that person and I did not get along in high school, and uh, even though it was oh ten years later, apparently they uh, you know some people never let go of that kind of stuff. No, it's and that's true. It's funny to think like, Eric, when you think about what you were like in high school, were you anything like you are now? No, no, not not really. I mean, I still liked my nerd stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I was that that goth kid. Right. So I had like the fishnet stockings and the spiked collar and stuff like that. Oh, my God. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, right. I don't think I I knew that. Oh, no, I don't. For real? No. We had a yeah. we had a coworker at Disney, Patrick. Shout out to you if you're listening, bud. I remember like I would see old pictures of him on Facebook where he had like the spiked mohawk and the spiked collar and everything. He goes, he's like, yeah, screw the Disney look. I miss this. I definitely looked like that for a period of time in my life with a spiked mohawk. 
Man, I can't. Do I do I have to go through a midlife crisis phase right now and get a spiked mohawk <laughs> and join? The- yeah, I think I think you need to. You got to do it and then take pictures All right. and post them. Oh boy, here we go. All right, <laughs> you heard it here take, first. Pixar didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. So. How Andy and I met, of course, through the college connection and everything, we took some classes together, but we would go and we would film these local concerts and your band would perform, Quarter Inch Fuse. So tell us a little bit about how you became a musician in the first place and then how you ended up in a band. Okay, so summer before eighth grade, um, I slept over a friend's house and uh he had the Metallica live shit binge and purge box set. So we're talking, Ooh. it was night. Yeah, I know. It was like 1994, I think. And, um, he was like, Hey, check this out. And we sat and watched it. And, um, my jaw pretty much stayed on the floor for the whole time. And I watched it and I was like, I want to play drums and I want a double bass Tama drum set, and I want a black and white one that looks just like that. And then when I started, uh, when I started eighth grade, a couple of weeks later, I started playing drums. Um, my mom had a kit in the house because she had played twenty years prior, and uh, she she let me use hers to you know to because it's a significant investment. She didn't want to just go out and buy me a kit. And what if I don't like it in three months? <laughs> yeah. You know, they're not cheap. Right. right. It's not like renting a trumpet. You you don't, you can't rent a drum kit. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I took to it like a duck to water. Um, I just, uh, I, I felt very comfortable with it. And then for eighth grade graduation, my parents bought me a Tama kit um, because uh, we had frequented the local music store, Sussex County Music, quite a bit. And when the time came that my parents were getting ready to surprise me for graduation, they went in and talked to the owner who had become friends with us. And uh, my mom was like, you know, what should we get for this kid? And he looked at my mom and he goes, that kid's gigantic. He's like, if you don't buy him a Tama kit, you're going to be buying him another kit in a year if you're lucky, because he's going to destroy it. He's going <laughs> to be like uh, Wreck-It Ralph over here. Seriously. Uh, interesting side note. My father has a tattoo on his leg of Wreck-It Ralph to symbolize me, by the way. Uh, well, that, I mean, big guy, red hair. Yeah, that's exactly and break right. stuff. Yeah, so exactly. They take passion in breaking stuff. We'll not confirm or deny this, but. Mwahaha. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess um, the, uh, the, the cool thing about our area growing up, because one of the, not that our area was really known for much other than uh, the wonderful Action Park, which the HBO <laughs> documentary. Yeah, cla- watch Class Action Park, by the way, if any of you guys have access to HBO Max. That's my hometown. That's Vernon, New Jersey. And that is a uh, that is true. That happened. It all yep. happened. But, and a lot worse. <laughs> but I think because we grew up in such a rural area, mountainous part of New Jersey, isolated from everything, where the closest Walmart was still 15 minutes away and the other Walmart was 30. Well, hold on. We didn't even have a Walmart until Oh yeah, that's right. I was yeah. I was out of high school. I graduated in 99 and we that still didn't the, have the Walmart. They were that building. That was a big it. deal. Yeah, we we yeah. actually got a Walmart. Yeah. So, yep. there wasn't wow. a lot to do 
in our town growing up, and a lot of kids turned to music. We had a very big music scene, I remember. Like in high yes. school, we actually had like the high school battle of the bands the one night that they had <laughs> right in the gym. And there were like 15 bands there. And, they did it in the gym? Uh, or the cafeteria, maybe. maybe oh, man. We did, so we did one my, my sophomore year, and uh, they actually did it in the theater. That's pretty cool. Now, I, can, I, can I tell you a story about that? Because I'm totally going to geek out about it. Okay, please do. All right. So I was in a band. Um, we had uh, we, actually our first show was at the McAfee Firehouse. Funny as that is. Um, and uh, a couple weeks later, we had Battle of the Bands at the high school. There was like there was like eight or ten bands, and um, you got one song. So we did for whom the bell tolls. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) I'll tell you, man, I thought I was like, I thought I was playing giant stadium. They had a a riser in the middle of the stage. You know, it wasn't anything fancy. It's just like the, the flat deck riser. It's like two feet off the ground. And, uh, I had my, I had a, you know, regular five piece kit on the riser. And, um, we had, we were sophomores. We had a senior for our lead guitarist who was pretty good guitar player. And, um, so if you've ever seen any live videos of Metallica playing for whom the bell tolls, it always starts with like Lars standing up behind the kit and pounding the pounding the tempo out on the bass drum, you know? So like, that's how we started it. And, um, man, I played my ass off. <laughs> it was, it was such a cool experience. We were probably entirely too loud. I mean, I pictured, you know, Huey Lewis sitting in the back going, I'm afraid you guys are just too darn loud. You know, I'm sure that was happening. <laughs> well, but some people just don't know how to have fun. Fair so, enough. Now, one thing I've always heard this from people I know who played the drums, and maybe you can confirm this or not. They always say the same thing. It's not as easy as you think it is, but it's really not that hard to learn how to drum. It's certainly not hard to get started. It's I mean, like anything obviously else. To get, yeah, obviously to get good at it, you're going to be, you got to practice your ass off, which is the same thing with anything really. But yeah, I've heard, right. and I've heard, I've heard pretty much those exact words from everybody I know who's ever either actively been a drummer or just played the drums in general. Yeah, well, it's not hard to get started. And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of simple things you can do. When I first started playing, um, I did join the band in high school, but, and even in eighth grade, but they're not teaching you how to play drum kit and band. You know, you're doing snare drum, timpani bells, you know, other, uh, various percussion stuff. What I did was I grabbed headphones and a CD player and I sat down with the Nirvana Nevermind album which was an amazing album. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Such a good album. Oh, it is. It is. Uh, I sat down with that album. I loved Nirvana. I loved the way the album sounded. And honestly, um, the stuff was not that difficult. So for somebody who was new to it, I just, I sat down and I learned by listening. And that was where I started to teach myself how to play. I think the important thing about like, getting into music though is to play the music that you like there's no point right trying to play 
um, something that you dislike because then you're going to dislike playing that instrument and then you're not going to learn. So find something that you like and then continue doing that. And that is exactly why I wasn't in jazz band. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I, I, I listen, I um, I look up to those guys. I am terrible at playing jazz. I mean, absolutely awful. And I don't enjoy it. <laughs> that, yeah, but there's that's the key right there. You got to do what you enjoy. So in the in the grand scheme of music, who would you consider your your big influences? OK, um, there's there's a big three or four. Um, Lars from Metallica was obviously a huge influence and you'll see that more as we start talking about the kit that I'm putting together. Um, obviously, you know, um, black album was really hot back then. Another one, very easy to play, made you feel good because you could play it. Um, Vinnie Paul from Pantera. Mm, Um, good choice. Chris, you've, you've seen a lot of, you've seen quarter inch fuse play a bunch of times back when we had that band together and um, I had gone back, I guess about 10 years ago and listened to the stuff we were doing. And I, I must've been listening to a lot of Pantera at the time. Cause I started pulling things out of the songs. It was like, Oh, well that's from five minutes alone. That's the Phil from F and hostile. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I did listen to a lot of Pantera. Um, Raymond Herrera, who for years played for fear factory, uh, it's another um, another huge influence in my playing style as well. Um, when I started listening to him, my playing started to change um, direction and just uh, it was kind of an exponential curve because that that man's ridiculous <laughs> and yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah it's um, challenging. Uh, I mean, at, at the point that I'm at, I'm just kind of getting back in after a after quite a hiatus and. I can't really play their stuff right now, but uh, I think if you remember at the time, Tim and I used to talk Fear Factory quite a bit because we were both huge fans. You know, that's actually how I got into Fear Factory. Oh, really? <laughs> directly, it was a direct influence from you guys because you kept talking about this band, and then you're like, "Here, listen to this." I'm like, "Okay, so, this is up my I got alley." A, I got a good Fear Factory song or uh, 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 story. Okay. Um. So we were playing quarter inch fuse. We were playing riddles in Pompton Lakes. Um, and uh, their, the band room was upstairs. Cool looking. The, the room upstairs looked like something out of uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. It was very 80s. Like I there remember, was a, a. I remember going to a show there and I remember uh, really liking that room. Oh yeah, it was great. It was really a great place because yeah. you're you're away from the restaurant customers and the the regular bar customers, so the bands could do their thing, which and I thought was awesome. It, it was it was well lit. It wasn't yep. like dark and dank. Yeah, Eric, you've played Vice City. Imagine yeah. you're going to like one of the, like one of those clubs that looks like it was ripped right out of the '80s with all the decor yeah. and everything, and all they yep. did was just update the the electronics in there, but not, they never lost the, the atmosphere. So the yeah, aesthetics like the, the bottom is just new gear, basically. Basically. Yeah. So yeah, cool. the bottom half of the walls were carpeted. The upper half was like a lighter shade of the color of the carpet. Like, <laughs> but it was, it was a cool place. Well, that's so, one of those things, right? Some of these places, the, the venue quote unquote atmosphere always feels like it's, it's dank. 
because it's always very dimly lit and it you know they they're like all right we'll turn out the house lights we're just going to focus on the studio lights to give the band it focus them on the band everything and that's fine but for a lot of places especially if you're going to host a concert you should your house lights should kind of double as your studio lights and you should have an atmosphere all the time and those are some of my favorite places to go to oh yeah so so this place has a stage and uh it's in a corner and the two walls that meet at the corner are mirrored because you know we're continuing with this 80s theme so when most bands play there um that stage is for the entire band um so eric i i have a an absolutely gigantic drum kit um the kit that I was using at the time was a replica of the kit that Lars used on the Master of Puppets tour. It's that mirrored chrome finish, two bass drums, four rack toms, two floor toms, and about 14 cymbals. So when we would play at Riddles, which we did kind of often, um, that was not a stage for the band. That was Andy's drum riser, and Andy actually had to... <laughs> it'd be great because there'd be three, four bands playing before us and they got the whole band on the stage. And then we would get up there and I would actually have to build myself into the corner. And my bass drums were like an inch from the edge of the riser. (laughs) So we'll we'll talk about this more when we actually talk about the band itself. But I remember a big thing you guys would always put in your original songs were drum solos. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the one in particular that you're thinking of, I know. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So, so uh, our our sound guy had had bought um, new subwoofers, right? He went from 15s to 18s, and we were doing sound check. I I had um, two Electro Voice RE20s uh, for my bass drums. For for those of you who are tech geeks, uh, Electro Voice RE20s are fantastic microphones for bass drum. You guys would know them as broadcasting mics. Most uh, most radio personalities use them, or the RE27, which is a, a variation. So we're doing the the sound check on the kit, and uh, Billy McGee, the sound guy, goes, "All right." He's like, "Let's check the bass drums." I'm like, hey, "Cool." Um, I, I never muffled my bass drums. Uh, I played them wide open. I had metal kick pads and hard wooden beaters. So they were very loud and very clicky, you know, like you hear in metal. And um, so for soundcheck, I started playing Demanufacture by Fear Factory. Um, and the bartender came running upstairs from downstairs. Apparently, we vibrated three bottles of booze off the wall and they broke on the floor. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was like, bass drums are good. <laughs> bass drums are good. Don't touch them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so that way was... to test your bass drum. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. I uh, man, I had such a huge smile on my face after that. <laughs> Just so breaking people's bottles, story. man. Yeah, well, you know. Hey, listen, if you're gonna put bottles on the wall, the shelf should probably have a lip on it, right? I yeah. would agree with it, that. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. You, you realize what that was, right? That was a huge flex. You yeah, yes, it was. Drums. I did. That was absolutely a flex. It was. So um, yeah. I, I want to I talk a little bit about the band Quarter Inch Fuse. And how did you guys originally form? Like, how did you find them? Or did did you know people who came together and were just like, we're going to we want to form a band or 
did you find them and they were looking for a drummer or no they found me um the bass player the first bass player mikey mikey anger well yes. we'll use his stage name there you go um we had known each other for many years and he was like hey you know there's this this guitarist johnny o and we want to jam you know this guy daryl uh who had uh who had we had known from bands in the area forever was going to sing. And um, I went up to Johnny O's house. I hadn't played in a while. And I told them that, and I was rusty. And uh, basically they didn't call me back. Daryl kind of threw me out. <laughs> we, oh, we Daryl and I are, Daryl and I are friends and, and we still joke about this. Um, Daryl in the meantime, wound up signing up with the national guard and he went off to Iraq to fix tanks. Um, so I got a call a month or two later. Hey, um, we're trying out another singer. We, we want you to come back. So we started jamming. Um, the singer we had, he was flaky. Um, we would have wound up with a more flaky singer as you know, but, um, so that guy, that guy went by the wayside. Um, and then I think, uh, either Mikey Yang or Johnny O found uh, Wayne Dane again, stage names, um, great performer, very talented. Um, definitely a front man, wacky. Uh, they found him running, running around the halls at the backstage rehearsal studio in West Patterson. Oh and, um, yeah, well, you know, backstage is kind of where, where you went. Um, you know, if you didn't know the guys, you know, you don't want people at your house. So you, you go to the rehearsal studio, you rent the room out, you know, it's, it's a safe place, let's say, cause you, you know, if you don't know the people, you don't know who you're bringing in the house. So, uh, we, we liked him. Um, his performance was great. He had a lot of talent and, uh, and that's, that's how it started. That's how it came together. I remember Wayne was very charismatic. He was definitely yes. a showman. He yes. he had all the motions. He got into the music. And I, the one distinct memory I have of him was it was during during an instrumental portion of the song. I don't remember what the song was, but it was an, an instrumental portion. He's just diving along with it. And he either intentionally fell or just kind of slipped and just kind of went down. And he's face down for like half a second. And then he starts basically dry humping the floor and he dry humps himself back to his feet and goes right back in. Like he didn't miss a step. And I remember looking at our buddy, Tim and just going, was that on purpose? And Tim's like, I don't know, but he, if it, if it was accidental, he covered it. He was very good at covering that stuff. Uh, we used to call him Wayne Staley. Uh, you know, a tribute to Lane Staley. Yeah. He loved Lane Staley. He very much sounded like him. Um, unfortunately, a lot of his behaviors outside of the music m mimicked Lane mm -hmm. Staley. Um, for for you guys who are listening who know what happened to Lane, uh, that didn't happen to Wayne, but he was engaging in a lot of those behaviors, which eventually led to the, the downfall of things. But, um, you know, the guy lived a rock and roll lifestyle. He was extremely charismatic, a great showman, knew how to work a crowd. He could never remember lyrics. He always had a laptop on the floor. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, and the other guys used to break his chops about it. I, I, that doesn't bother me. You know, he either had a music stand with stuff printed out or he had a laptop and then it became an iPad. And you know what? That's cool. If that's what you need, dude, I'm all good with it. How many musicians go on stage with music? Yeah. How many of them lip sync? Yeah. Too yeah. many. Too many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the record company's fault. They they do that to people. They they make it so that it's impossible. You know, they they have to be album perfect all the time. And they gotta but, they're too focused on their choreography, you know, we gotta get this right. move down. And that's a that's an issue with the modern pop singers is and some Listen, of them are very talented and they can sing. And right. I feel like that's a hindrance to them. Well, listen, I don't care how good you are, unless you're Michael Jackson, because he was the only person I've ever seen that could do that choreography and still be perfect. Um, most human beings are not going to be able to dance around like that and still have the proper breath support to be able to sing properly. <laughs> it's that, true, yeah. I, I mean, you know, there's there's really not anything more to say about that. No, I fully agree with that. And, you know, you don't have to be album perfect if you sound album perfect at a concert it throws me out of it because then i'm convinced you're just lip syncing i want to hear people sing for real right and it's isn't it great when you go to a show and you see a band and they are as good you could tell that it's live but they're just as good as they're recording i haven't seen all the bands i want to see obviously but the big one that always sticks out in my head was lincoln park Lincoln Park Live them. in Texas? No, uh, I saw them at Bamboozle 2007 in the parking lot of Giant Stadium. Now MetLife or whatever it is. I think it's MetLife. But back when it had the Giant Stadium name and they were the, the big main act that night. They sounded just as good as they do on the albums. But you could also tell that Chester was singing for real. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and that's, that's there's, what you there's, an, there's another one. God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Chester Bennington. Uh, funny, funny enough, I remember he had just had his son around this point, and he went backstage to get him to bring him out on stage so we could cheer. And he comes back a second later. He goes, "I'm sorry, guys. He's sleeping. I don't want to bother him right now." Oh! And, and you hear, <laughs> you hear one person boo, and Chester goes, "Dude, what the fuck? Did you just boo a one year old?" And everybody starts <laughs> laughing. And then he's, oh, like, he's like, he's like, let me guess, you hate puppies too, don't you, asshole? <laughs> Everybody's is, cheering and clapping. That is the appropriate response to that. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see the clip? Did either of you ever see the clip of when Disturbed performed "The Sound of Silence" live in Houston, and David Draymond brought out Miles Kennedy to perform with him? No, and they, no. they did it as a Simon and Garfunkel duet. Oh, wow. It's phenomenal. That's awesome. That's the uh, that's really that's, awesome. That's the big one I'm missing is Disturbed. I still haven't seen them live. And I've seen them. They 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 have such a blast. You can tell like I've, I'll watch the live videos, like the live performances of Down with the Sickness. And you can tell they're just having the best time in the world. Well, you know, the the great thing about Disturbed is that Dramian has always been very focused on he knows that the fans are why he's there. He's never been one to have rock star syndrome. Right. And and that, I think, really comes through 
in your performances when you know that you're doing this for them it makes a difference it's so cool Uh, my other favorite live duo i ever saw was a surprise too it was it actually happened in new jersey hailstorm was performing oh no way (laughs) and lizzie sets sits down at a piano and I don't remember the, the name of the song she was performing, but freaking Amy Lee shows up halfway through and starts doing a duet with her. And the oh my god, that the, is fantastic! Blew the roof off the place. And wow, I, I don't even know what I would have done in that situation. To be perfectly honest, what's what's Amy wow. Lee up to nowadays? Anyway, Evanescence just put out new music. Did they? Really? I was just gonna say that. Yeah, they they <laughs> just put out new music, and I was shocked when I heard that. They're like, hey. Because I, I listen to the local rock station here in Lancaster. Shout out to 105.7 The X. And they're like the the afternoon guy, Hawaiian Chris James, they call him. He's uh, He comes up, he goes, all right, guys, we got new music from Evanescence. He's like, yes, I'm actually saying that. And I remember I like stopped what I was doing. I'm like, what? what? Evanescence is back. And it sounded it sounded like they never missed a step. That's great. She's a fantastic performer. I actually just yesterday watched on YouTube her um, Loudwire does Wikipedia Fact or Fiction, and yes. uh, and they they did one with her. I watch I watch a bunch of them. I've been going through the guys in yeah. Slayer and stuff. I, my, she my, came up. I love the one with her because the guy when he's like swoon, he actually says it right at the beginning. Yeah. Yep. 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 He's like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> he's like with Amy Lee. I'm like, I got you. I got you, man. <laughs> totally understand that all right so we talked about it we talked about drummer influences but just as a general statement who are your absolute favorite bands um okay well i I gotta go with metallica um metallica pantera fear factory you you notice in a trend here yes um uh dimu borgir uh for those of you who don't know where the hell have you been for the last 20 years um they're a uh norwegian uh black metal or extreme metal band uh probably the most well-known in that uh in that scene um well known for doing concerts with uh 100 plus piece orchestras and 50 person choirs and um i can't play their stuff um i never could their 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 drummers have just been absolutely on another planet but uh fantastic uh when you see them live they are just as good um yeah that's that's probably my top 4 yeah i i discovered them i'm not going to say relatively recently cuz it has been a few years but i wasn't wasn't a band i was overly familiar with i'd always heard the name and I'll actually give a shout out here to uh, one of our CKCC radio co-hosts, uh, Jason Shin of J Bunny's Music, oh. who, yeah, <laughs> which who who we all know quite well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, Eric doesn't know the, some of these people in real life, and sometimes that's a good thing. But Jason's I, a very I, nice guy. I want to meet these people. They sound very interesting. <laughs> I feel like I'd get along listen, with them very well. Uh, J Bunny is awesome. He is, he's a great guy. I have known him for probably 20 years. We used to hang out at the same coffee house together. Um, Yeah. He's the, he is the perfect type of weird for the music industry. Like he would have been a killer performer if he had ever broken in there. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's great. And a shout out to his podcast too. Cause I've been listening to the backlog episodes and, uh, they're, they're fantastic. I, yeah. I love what he does. He he's used to it. come see quarter inch fuse a lot too. Yeah. In fact, uh, he and I started a mosh pit at one of your shows and then very stupidly <laughs> involved Tim. And when Tim started oh. moshing, I got out of there because Tim's about three times bigger than me. And yeah, he's, Tim is slightly smaller than I am. <laughs> and the best part was Jason goes, so if you didn't want to mosh, why'd you start it? And I said, we're going to call that. He's like, I'm like, we're going to call that poor judgment on my part. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, thought I funny. wanted to until I realized who else was doing it. And then I realized <laughs> I didn't want to do this. So, yeah. Andy, what's your opinion of bands who are very, very much, I don't, I don't want to say the word gimmick because that's going to throw up my wrestling history and make me think of my old wrestling promotion promoter too much who overused <laughs> that word. But the bands who <laughs> really have the good gimmicks going, Kiss, Guar, Slayer, what are your thoughts on on the showmanship aspects there? Uh, well, I think uh, both Kiss and Guar have uh, amazing showmanship. I've never been a huge Kiss fan, um, but not because I think that they're bad musicians or anything like that. I just I just didn't dig it. But they know what the Kiss image is. I mean, listen, Gene Simmons has spent his lifetime crafting that image and putting it on everything. <laughs> and he knows what Kiss with a trademark is. Um, Guar, same kind of idea. You see bands like Slipknot, same kind of idea. Um, they they know what their brand is, period, end of story. Um, Slayer, they didn't have gimmicks so much, uh, you know, I, unless unless they were playing Rain and Blood and uh, and it rained blood on the stage, which I have seen. Obviously, it's not real blood, but I um, I you know they not. they yeah no oh, that's gross. <laughs> we're not in Norway. It's not real blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know if if the gimmick thing works for you, if you can pull it off and and it's it's good, then you know what? That's just something else that you have to present. I think that's part of finding your own identity anyway. Right. Like the, one of those things and I'm going to, I don't want to bash too many bands because everybody's got different tastes in music. But I remember I got so mad when I heard that people kept comparing Greta Van Fleet to Led Zeppelin and they got mad about that. And they're like, we don't, we don't want to be compared to Led Zeppelin. I'm like, if somebody came up to me and compared me to one of the greatest classic bands of all time, I would run with that compliment as hard as I could. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to say something very unpopular here. Oh, here we go. And, uh, and I'm just going to warn you, you're going to get letters. <laughs> I do do not really care for Zeppelin. I know that's a terribly unpopular thing to say. I don't understand why I don't, because there's a lot of bands from that era that I absolutely love. I mean, most of them, to be honest with you. But I, I just, I don't dig Zeppelin all that much. And from a drummer standpoint, this is even more unpopular. Um, you know, everybody looks at John Bonham like uh, he ascended out of the clouds and played drums for Zeppelin. And I actually 
don't really like what he does. And I know that's going to catch me some flack Monday morning. You're going to have some of your listeners who, who may be more familiar with drumming or drummers themselves going, that guy, that's it. I'm going to burn his house down. But uh, it's, it's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just the natural way, Chris. It's the natural way. <laughs> Don't we all have like that one band that we don't like that everybody else does and people just don't get it? I feel like we all have that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Like I, introducing my friends into like Avenged Sevenfold. I absolutely love Avenged Sevenfold. Uh, but some of my friends uh, just Jimmy can't Sol- stand them. They, they yeah. can't stand them. I- they can't stand that, that type of music. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is like it's so good. I don't know. <laughs> I, I get uh, dude. Uh, yeah, there's another one, Jimmy Sullivan, the Rev. He was, yeah. he was fantastic, fantastic drummer. Yeah, wow. rest in power. Yeah, yeah there you go, Neil Pert. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, yeah. I'm not a big Rush guy, but I respect the hell out of them. Well, I I saw them with our friend Tim, um, at uh, at the um, what is that the Performing Arts Center. And uh, the PNC Bank Arts Center in Holmdel, New Jersey. Okay. And uh, we were like 10 rows from the stage. Oh, that's so cool. And it was only them. Well, there's there's gimmicks. They have all kinds of crazy props on their stage. They had like rotisserie ovens, cooking chickens. They got washing machines, like all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, okay. they, they said, we're not having anybody open, you know, for us. We're going to play like four or five hours and they split the show in half and they were absolutely incredible and they they were super cool super appreciative to all the fans that were there um a real class act and it is a terrible loss that neil's gone yeah because like i said i i wasn't big on their music as a whole but you you gotta respect the hell out of them for what they do yeah and okay let's before we, we get to the, the bulk of the drum kit, I got a couple more music-related questions here. Uh, sure. Andy, what would you consider guilty pleasure music? We've established you're definitely the hard rock metal type of guy, but everybody's got a guilty pleasure, whether it's a band, an artist, or even a song that you absolutely love that doesn't <laughs> fit in with your genre. Oh, man. You're, you're going to ex- laugh. Go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. Oh no, no no! I'm just saying I have an app like an entire genre that's like uh, not something that you would think I would listen to, but I absolutely love. But I'll, I'll you you go first, and I'll save mine. <laughs> okay, I I too have an entire genre that you would never think that I would listen to, um, and I think that this comes from my years as a chef because I would put this stuff on and it would just get me in the rhythm in the kitchen. I really enjoy listening to 90s style techno. Really? Um, especially, okay. Yeah. Man, when I, when I need to like get stuff done, like if I'm prepping out a meal for a holiday, I pop that stuff on my phone and I mean, it'll be anywhere from like, gosh, anywhere from, um, Darude, which is more modern, all the way back to stuff like uh, Robin S. Like, you know, show me love. I mean, I'll I'll listen to all of that stuff just because I think the the beat keeps me focused and moving, and it is not anything that you would expect me to to want to listen to. 
I was gonna say because like some of those songs are really long, so yeah. that can definitely oh, yeah. put you in a focus. Oh yeah, I, I look for for like the extended mixes. I don't know. I don't it, know if I could listen to Sandstorm for that long, but oh, uh, it's you know what, man. When listen, when you got fifty pounds of onions that you have to dice, Damn. it's cool because <laughs> okay. it's like <laughs> I used to. I used to have a, a Pandora station that I spent years cultivating. That was perfect. And when it was time to to do prep work, you know, when I was working professionally as a as a cook, it, I just I popped that on and just bang out everything I had to do. What's yeah, your guilty I, I pleasure, Eric? Ah, uh, okay. So, seventies funk. Okay, I, I absolutely nice. love that style. Like I, uh, I, I don't know what it is, but like, if I'm in a really bad mood, I can just play the like. I know this is not really '70s funk, but I can play the Jackson Five, and and just be okay by the time I'm done with like whatever album I'm listening to. But like, I, I love that era where I mean, it's like I actually remember having that conversation with you at Disney. Yeah, when you when you were just like. When we were talking about music and you're like, no matter what, no matter what my tastes are in rock, I love Michael Jackson. Yeah. Michael Jackson were- is great. Jackson five is great. Mm-hmm. I like uh Prince. Um Yeah. Yeah, Prince is great. Yeah, and, and just that era of music is I, I like listening to that. Yeah, man. I I take no uh yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I mean how could you how could you not like Michael Jackson? Right? <laughs> Honestly, you don't, you don't have to like him as a person. You don't have to like some of the stuff he did or allegedly did, but you can still respect the art. True. Dude, Thriller is a fantastic album. So I've only I, heard stories of like people who rushed home, turned on the TV just to see like the very first uh, Thriller video, like or the not the first I, I, Thriller video, but like you know to see it live. Can you imagine? I, I saw it. You saw it. Live? I can't imagine. Yeah, I did. Uh, I think I was, I was a couple of years old. But we, my parents, it was just me and my mom, and my dad at that point. I didn't have any siblings, and I remember watching it on MTV. I was a toddler. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, yep. I, my big guilty pleasure music is a. Uh, I don't even know if I could call it a guilty pleasure anymore because I feel like I'm sort of being cultivated in that direction just because of my surroundings. So like when I say I can listen to anything, it's really not like a sarcastic comment. The The big genre I still struggle with is country, mm-hmm. but, but my wife is very into country. So I found country songs that I can either tolerate or flat out enjoy. There's a lot of good country music. Yeah, I think it really depends on the it depends on who you're listening to. But the two genres that I've actually started getting into today that I was never that into was really hard hip hop, like the real like southern style rap and modern pop songs, which was a genre I was always against. And I I contribute that to two things. We do a for the patrons of Club Kayfabe, patron.com slash Club Kayfabe, on our wrestling show, we always do a bonus episode every week for the patrons. And one of our patrons, a gentleman named Adrian Cotton, who 
is now a travel agent. You guys can uh, save some money on your vacations now. Ask me how. And he's he's a big contributor. He's a published author. His books are available on Amazon. Adrian, you're welcome. I'm giving you free publicity here, bud. <laughs> but uh, he he had this idea to, to send us hip-hop videos and have us do watch-alongs as part of the show. And me and my co-host, Dan Peck, will sit down. We'll, you know, we do the setup for everybody on the podcast. We, you know, pause the show, get set up. Three, two, one, play. You watch the video with us and we comment it on it as it's happening. And I've just started adding all these rap songs to my repertoire. And it's all stuff I was never really that into. Like, yeah, I liked Eminem and I listened to some of the the popular rap music at the time. You know, the stuff that they would the hip hop they would play on like your average top 40 station. But now I'm really getting into stuff I never thought I would be into. And the modern pop just came because at work we have the radio on and there's a <clears throat> there was always a very big habit of having the oldies station. On. I can't say oldies. It's the 70s and 80s station. Music I enjoy, but it's the same stuff all the time and you get tired of hearing the same stuff every single day. And then finally, one of my coworkers puts on one of the one of the stations that plays 80s to now. And I'm like uh, all right. There's a lot of female pop artists. I hear a lot of auto tune. I'm not really digging this. And I think, <laughs> I think just because of the fact that I hear it now so much, you start getting into it more. And I, I surprise myself when I hear a song. I'm like, I really like this. I'm going to put this on my playlist. And it goes from all this, all of this freaking stuff, white snake and Weezer. And then the weekend, yeah, I got a song from his on there because I like it and I hear it all the time and I, I can vibe to it. So There's nothing wrong with that, man. That's a beautiful thing about music. I mean, like, I'll tell you something else you may not know about me, Chris. I love old school 90s West Coast rap. But, uh, I mean, that stuff came out when I was in, like, third, fourth grade. So, like... I mean, you know, you know me pretty well. Would you think that that I would I would know like just the, the words just about every song off of the chronic, you know? <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> but I, I actually, do. <laughs> knowing you personally though, I I would expect that more than the the 90s techno <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. That's I would expect Okay, that fair more, enough. But, but uh Fair enough. Did did either of you see Straight Out of Compton? No. No. All right. Do yourselves a favor and watch that movie if you get a chance. It was one of the most powerful biopics I've ever seen in my life. I freaking loved it. Okay. I loved it more than I thought I would I would actually like it. Like, I knew I was going to go in and be like, I bet you I'm going to watch this. I'm going to be like, that was a pretty good movie. It's too bad I'm not really that into this music. And I came out of it going, that was one of the best movies I've ever seen. I uh, a lot. Along those lines, have you ever seen Boys in the Hood? Yes, I have. <laughs> it's been a yeah. while, but I have. And I remember really, I, I kind of remember having the same feelings. Not like greatest movie ever, but I was like, man, I like that way more than I than I thought I would. You know, yeah. I, oh, I also okay. watched, so uh, since we're on the topic of, of movies and stuff, what, what about movies with the greatest music scores? Oh, that's a good question. Oh boy! Yeah, 
I mean, okay. Not- so I'm going to agree with Chris here for about something. Um, you mentioned something a few weeks ago on one of your other shows that had me jumping up and down saying, yes, yes, yes. Uh, freaking Armageddon, amazing score. And the soundtrack is absolutely fantastic. It, it, it right? is right. Yeah. Yep. It's Even though I confused it with is, a different movie, but yes. Yeah, that's that's okay. I knew I knew what you were thinking when that conversation was going on. But yeah. even not only are the songs great, but the production of the album. I'm going to tell you something about that. So I used to like do systems in people's cars, my car, other people's cars. You know, when I was I was like 18, 19 years old. Um, before you knew me, Chris, I was always known for having crazy stereos. When oh, I dude, would really, you like to play yeah, music can, loud. I would have never. Can, can you believe it? Um, so when I would EQ the system, I would actually use that CD because it had a wide variety of different types of music, and the production values were excellent across the board. That was my test CD when I put a new system together. That's a, that's awesome, dude. I'll I'll fight anybody who has a problem with Armageddon. I will fight you. <laughs> like oh, and I, I cry I cry every time when Bruce Willis dies. Every it's time. Sad. Every yeah. time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. S- spoilers, by the way. For anyone who hasn't yeah, seen Armageddon, twenty-year-old spoiler. <laughs> hey, there are I, still people who have not seen Star Wars, so yeah, well, you know. But I, but I, yeah, but everybody knows what the spoiler there is. There, there, you know, there's a lot of stuff. If I said Soylent Green was people, you know what I was talking about. <laughs> Going yeah, back enough. here, Go, dropping back here, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. When it comes to when it comes to movies, it's crazy what a uh, it, the atmosphere, of course, is always music based, right? And right. and I think you can attest to this too. Even no music can create a hell of an atmosphere. How many horror oh, movies absolutely. have you watched where they drop everything to dead silence, not even a sound effect, and they're just slowly creeping up on the door? You're like, oh frick, something's gonna yeah. happen. I'm about to jump out of my seat. I don't know when it's coming, yeah. but I know it's coming. Right. I know I'm gonna crap myself. I know I'm gonna crap myself. I'm not gonna do it. I'm like, oh man. Son of a bitch, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It's one of those, like, yeah, like, spe- especially in horror movies where the, the music cuts out and all you hear them is, like, completely out of breath where they're like, <sighs> and then it slows down and then all of a sudden, boom, jump scare. Yep. That's right. Uh, it, it's, it's the way that it, it, it works. What about some of the... Um... <clears throat> some of the epic scores in like those the big high adventure films or shows like something like Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. Oh, what do you Howard Howard Shore is a genius. I I have to tell you, Chris, when I saw you um, at Epcot when you were still working. Yes. As a matter of fact, it was the night you hooked me up with the awesome viewing for uh, for um, Illuminations for Illuminations. R I P. Yeah. Yeah, all right. You were there when Eric and I were actively co-workers. Oh, that's, that's right. funny. Yeah. So that night, earlier in the evening, um, my uh, the older of my two sisters and I were walking through the Stave Church in Norway, because you do, and we're in there, and all of a sudden, Evenstar from Lord of the Rings is playing in the room. Oh. Uh. Uh, Noelle, my my sister Noelle is a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and as am I. And we both just looked at each other. We were like, "Holy crap! Are you freaking serious?" <laughs> it's 
It's really not something you would expect at a Disney park, but that's part of the atmosphere. I was quite surprised, actually. Do you, uh, all right, well, let's, let's ask this question. Disney music. How, uh, dude, I mean, what, what's, what's, who's, who's, who's done the best? Hans Zimmer. Yes. Hans Zimmer, Pirates of the Caribbean. That, yeah, uh, uh, well, so cool. I, I I go back a little a little further. Um, anything that the Sherman brothers wrote, um, anything that Xavier Atencio was involved in, um, and of course you can't forget Ashkin, Mencken, and Tim Rice. Yeah. The. For, for those who don't know who the Sherman brothers are, um, <laughs> m- most famously, uh, you know, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow and just about everything that you heard in Disneyland. Um, and Xavier Atencio also uh, wrote, um, he was one of the writers for the Pirates of the Caribbean theme song. Ooh, ho, hmm. yo, ho. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Disney has all kinds of iconic music because you'll, oh, you'll yeah. sing Yo-Ho. You'll you'll come out of haunted mansions singing grim grinning ghosts. As I oh gosh! That, oh man, uh, that's that's just that's a great tune though. Like you listen to the if you actually listen to the audio of the song, not a ride through. It's a great song. It is. I actually have it on my computer in my Disney oh. folder. The the full version of it. But so um, if you're if we want to get into park music, um, my favorite is Legacy from Epcot. Uh, the the trumpet fanfare that you would you would hear around Spaceship Earth typically, mm-hmm. uh, just as you get past the entrance area because they they you know they do the entrance area loop where they have um, uh, like a medley of all the the main themes, but something about the the trumpet fanfare in Legacy every time I hear it makes my hair stand up on end. So you know your home. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, like I'm standing under Spaceship Earth. And I'm hearing that, and I'm like, "Oh, this is this is so cool. <laughs> this just really couldn't get any better." <laughs> yeah, for real. Just anything, anything involving composing a movie score, uh, the the jingle to your to your TV show, it, it becomes iconic. Danny Elfman yeah. composed the theme for The Simpsons, and everybody knows it. Right. Yeah. You have the. Just the jingle for your commercial, the freaking Mentos theme. We're still singing that in our heads, and they don't even play those commercials anymore. <laughs> you know? I mean, the Mentos theme was so Mentos was so popular that Foo Fighters did an entire spoof video. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of bands, oh, I love man. the Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah. They, oh man, I mean that Dave Grohl. Every everything I everything I like has a musical influence to it. Wrestling, the all those entrance themes that they would come up with, with Jim Johnson writing the theme for The Undertaker, The Rock, Steve Austin. All the video games you play are all scored. Everybody knows uh, Koji Kondo's greatest achievement of all time, the Zelda Listen, theme. I still have <laughs> pretty much the entire <laughs> album of Madden uh, 2003 stuck in my head. <laughs> oh and uh chris you and i share the same uh game as well i think a link to the past is probably my favorite oh and the music in that was phenomenal yeah like, I, on a 16-bit system and the music was great it's 
it's so crazy to think about. I mean, music is is such an influence on everything. If I say Back to the Future, you know the theme. If I say Uh, Batman, you know the theme. You know the the Danny Elfman Batman score from the Tim Burton movies, which they then used for the animated series. Yep. (laughs) Hell, if I say if I say uh, Family Guy, you all know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, you just had to Star Wars. Just had to go there, didn't you? A <laughs> Star Wars, the Imperial Wars. March, yeah. anything John oh, Williams, yeah. really? Anything John Williams? Yeah. So my yeah. favorite. Okay, so every when when we opened the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, everybody was always asking me about what it was like to to meet the actors and everything. And for all everybody I met was cool, save Bonnie Wright, who was kind of bitchy. She ain't listening to the show, so I don't really care if I say that. <laughs> and everybody was so cool, but and they're like, so what was who was like the nicest person you met or who was the coolest person you met? Because you actually got to talk to some of them. I'm like, yeah, like I can tell you my Robbie Coltrane story and I can tell you my my Emma Watson story. I said, but I got to watch John Williams perform an orchestra live. I didn't meet him. Oh, my gosh. But I got to watch him perform Harry Potter songs live in person. And I said, and that was the coolest freaking thing ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, hey, while we're while we're talking that. about famous music people at, at theme parks, uh, hey, uh, Eric. Yeah. Um, Hetfield. Yes. Hetfield, you met yes. Hetfield. I was dying <laughs> listening to that. Dude, you know, I, I, even, I, like, I even thought of you. I turned dumb. <laughs> I turned dumb, dude. Like I, I had, think I would too. <laughs> like I, I didn't know how to speak. I couldn't move. I was, I thought I was having a heart attack. Like I started sweating. I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? And like, I, I mean, I, I'm- at this point, I've been working at Disney for like quite a while. I've had a lot of celebrities. Right. It's just not a person that I was expecting to see at that attraction. Dude, it's Headfield. I mean, just like you, just like I don't know. He walks up and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> what else do you do? Oh, I'm so jealous, man. I don't. I don't know jealous. what I. I don't know what I would have done. I. I don't. It's Papa Head. <laughs> I, I. I have this. I have this fantasy in my head that when I get done putting this kit together and I take really cool pictures of it, I'm eventually gonna pay for like the super VIP package to see Metallica so I can be like look dude I built this drum kit because it looks like your old one and I just wanted to show you because I think you're super cool (laughs) I've heard he's actually a really cool guy to talk to like he's a very casual guy surprisingly he's another one he didn't let the fame get to his head right Right now, the the drummer whom whom I love, but you know, well, well, I, we we all had nap, we all had Napster, so uh, well, you know the, the the crazy thing about that is it turns out he was right for all what? the crap that everybody gave him. He was totally right. I, I I give him I give him a pass on that, but there's plenty of other stuff that it's like, <laughs> dude, really? Come on. Yeah, it was a hill he wanted to die on, and he wasn't going to let it go. So, well, it, he's. From from what I've what I've heard and researched, he is really the business end of that machine. He he does all the arranging of the songs, and he actually, for as much crap as people give him, he has a very very um, 
good knack for putting together hit songs, taking pieces, because, you know, that's how they do it. They write everything in pieces. And he is just able to put stuff together, know that this goes here and that goes there and this goes here. And that's what's going to make this song awesome. So on that, I give him a lot of credit. I fall into the trap where for a long time I was like, dude, really, what do you what do you do? Like, and, and I was totally wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to call myself out on that right now. Oh, yeah, there's always stuff we have to call ourselves out on when we get to that we get to that period yeah yeah meeting yeah uh okay well since eric, eric does bring up an interesting topic here who's the uh have you ever met someone in the music industry that you were completely baffled that you got to meet them and you kind of had that same effect uh let's see in the music industry no but i met joe Rody. um that that trip that i that I hung out with you um, in Orlando in 2011. I, I met Joe Rohde, and I couldn't talk. I, I was just like Eric was with Hetfield. <laughs> uh, I was I was walking through Harambe in Animal Kingdom, and it was packed because, you know, we were there, what, a week before Christmas, I think? Yeah, and, you, were, uh, you, were, you were pushing right into that boundary. Uh, right. That's the worst and, time to come, by I, the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was you know what it was pretty awesome it was pretty awesome um but like i spotted him from across harambe and i was like oh my god it's joe Rody! oh my god it's joe Rody!" Uh, 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 uh. and <laughs> you know he's like walking closer and closer and um you know as he walked past i i was just like mr Rody, i'm a big fan of your work like i i really i love everything you do and he's like oh thank you very much and you know moved along his way and on the same trip um i was walking through Frontierland, and i ran into brett scallions from fuel which really? was super cool yeah well i'm a huge fuel fan and uh i i was like oh my god this is super cool um I, I saw him, you know, he was with his wife, girlfriend, whatever, and pushing a baby carriage. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to make huge attention because the guy's there with his family on vacation. And, you know, like, as we kind of got close, I was like, yo, man, I love your music. You're really awesome. He's like, oh, thanks, man. Cool. It <laughs> just kept, just kept walking. Uh, funny story. He didn't know who I was, but, uh, for a while he was out of fuel and in a band called the X's and the X's used to play shows with quarter inch fuse at the Oakland Elks lodge. That's pretty cool. But that's a cool yeah. way to kind of come full circle there. <laughs> that's right. That was a six degrees of Brett scallions. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That game will be catching fire pretty soon. Yeah. All right. So I, I have to ask. I have to ask. So why make a drum kit in the first place? Like, what brought you to make a, like the drum kit? Okay. So um, remember, I told you I, I watched the live shit video. I love that black and white double bass tama kit. So um, the kit that I that I, that Chris has seen me play, um, I got originally in two thousand two, and. Um, I sold it a year, two years later, I found it right before Christmas, bought it back, did the whole quarter inch fuse thing, played with it. Uh, band broke up, life changed. I got depressed. I sold it like a dummy, right? Disappeared for eight years. 
couple of years ago, my wife is trying to surprise me with a, uh, a kit for my birthday. So she's looking on let go. She's like, um, so I bought you a drum set. She's like, but I just found this one and I think you need to take a look at it because I feel like it might be the one you used to have. And here's a picture of my gigantic Chrome kit in somebody's garage. And I'm like blowing the picture up in my hand, looking for very specific scratches and stuff that I knew were there. Not for me, but when I bought the kit, it was 18 years old. And, um, I almost passed out. I, I got the guy on the phone and I went up there the next morning and I got it. Um, so what I'm doing, I'm, I'm not actually manufacturing the shells because I'm not that cool. Um, <laughs> but that, that kit is a 1989. It's 31 years old. And the, the outer covering, the wrap is peeling. It's rippled. It's scratched up because it was messed up, you know, when I bought it and then I didn't have it for eight years. I don't know what happened to it. You know, I don't know how well it was taken care of and something I always wanted to do with that kit was to completely change everything on it. Um, so what I've done is I've, uh, the, their drums, if they're not lacquered finishes, they're wrapped in a, in a vinyl wrap. Um, I've removed that. I removed all the attaching hardware. Um, and I'm, this is almost like the philosopher's axe, except I'm keeping the handle. <laughs> um, the only thing that I'm keeping on the drums are the actual wooden drum shells themselves. Um, that particular kit was made at a time when they made drums very, very deep. Uh, I like the particular sound you get. A lot of times now you'll find them much shallower. Uh, objectively, there's nothing wrong with that. I like the sound that I get out of drums that size. If you think like the Injustice for All album, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's the sound that I like. Um, so keeping the shells and, and the shells themselves were in great, uh, the woods in great shape. So what I've done, uh, and Chris has seen some pictures. I got the four rack toms are done now. I totally stripped them down to bare wood, uh, lightly sanded the wood, made sure the bearing edges, which is part of the drum that makes contact with the head, it's the most important part, um, made sure they were in good shape. I um, I used to – can I say the company that I ordered the wrap from? Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I uh, I used a website called jamandsam.com. Uh, Sam Bernard Music out in Phoenix. I actually had been looking at his website since like 2004. <laughs> so this has been a long time coming. Um, I ordered instead of uh, instead of going with plain white like the original cool looking Lars Ulrich kit. I uh, I ordered. Um, it's called white glass glitter, and basically it looks like. Well, you've seen the pictures, Chris, and I know the pictures aren't as great as it is in person, but what would you what would you describe it? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly uh, bring up our text conversation here that we've had because I've got all the uh, the photos, the pictures. Yeah, all the all the pictures saved on here. And like I'm looking at the, the most recent one that you sent me, which actually has it's pretty well connected right here. Yeah, everything except for the bass drum is done in that picture. So the bass yeah. drum is the original. Right. I can see the difference because you still got the silver on the bass, but like the, uh, everything else is really done in white. And what it, 
Honestly, what it looks like to me is it almost looks like a mad scientist experiment that's going right. Because <laughs> you've got it looks like you have everything in place the way you want it. And when I start cycling through some of the old pictures, and I do apologize, this doesn't translate on an audio podcast, people, but I see some of the comparison photos, too. Like, yeah, like the yeah. before and after what you did. And it's it really I mean, what I'm looking at here that. The, the big Tama rock star got it right in front of me. It's so scuffed. It's peeling. It's yes. it's definitely worn. And then I see with the white finish on it. And the freaking thing looks brand new. Like, it looks <laughs> like it just came out of the store. So I can tell you poured your heart and soul into fixing this thing and making it look. I did. I, I even replaced all the, all the hardware on the shell is totally new. Um, it's as close to the original hardware that's on Lars's kit from 1991 that I could find. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I replaced, I mean, the hoops, I replaced the, the tension rods, which is what you turn to screw the heads on. Everything matches in, in black nickel. So it's black nickel with uh, a white glass glitter which basically kind of looks like when it first snows and you look outside and like the ground sparkling yeah that, do you say that's pretty accurate i'd say so because like i i love that kit but i also wanted to make this my own so i i changed things up a little bit um i've even gone to the point now that the the uh the heads i've always had black heads on the bottoms of my drums because they look cool but now i've got black heads on the tops too <laughs> i mean i i've i've literally you know and this this is a project the the wraps were expensive the the glass glitter style wraps are the most expensive that he makes um you know it cost me like 1200 bucks just to get the wraps i mean i've got eight drums and they're gigantic um so that's you know that's part of the issue but I even went so far as, like, when I do the bass drums, I have to order wooden hoops. I've got strips that are the width of the hoops for the outside of the hoop and the inside of the hoop. Because, Chris, you know me, and I'm anal retentive. <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't have cars. I don't have motorcycles. Uh, and I'm just, like, taking my time to build this thing the way that I want it don't care how long it takes when it's done it's going to be perfect you know but you know that that's that is what because that's what passionate people like us do we have to have it perfect yeah right. i'm building i'm building a playlist to take on a road trip in december and i'm building it now and i'm just nice. i'm going nuts adding songs to it like i'm going to the rock and roll hall of fame so i'm gonna put a lot of rock and roll on it oh and that's I'm, so cool and I'm, I'm going nuts adding these songs. And I'm just like, am I go? I, I'll sit back and I go, am I going overboard here when I realize that, like, nah. I, don't, I don't add entire discographies. But the, the last band I worked with was ACDC. And I was just putting so much on there. I'm like, am I going overboard? I'm like, no. You know what? I want the option to have the song. And if I then decide I'm tired of it, I'll take it off the playlist. But I want it there so I can make that decision. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I definitely get it. I don't even want to get into my habit. It's so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I, See? I I don't really want to tell you what what this is all going to shake out to when it's all done. <laughs> um, 
uh, I'll just tell you that I could have bought a very nice, uh, smaller sized high end drum set for what this is going to cost when I'm finished. Oh, okay. I <laughs> thought you were going to be like, I could have bought like a Civic. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, yeah. Gonna be, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think I think when this kit's done, it's going to be upwards of five grand. So, wow. Eva, uh, uh, I've had the pleasure of actually seeing you perform. And you've always been. In fact, we were uh, we we got that shot of you at one of the shows where we were filming it, where we had the perfect zoom in on your feet for the drum solo, so we could see the friggin' pound in the pedals. Like, I think you remember that shot too, because I, I do. And and I remember you would come off of those that that stage. You looked like you jumped in the ocean. I mean, you weren't you weren't sweating. You were drenched, but you had the and your favorite Disney character. You had the grin on your face. The yeah, well, he's on my leg, so you know. <laughs> yeah, you Anybody want to take a guess as to who we're talking about? Mischievous well, cat grins a lot. It's yeah. in the sapphire cat. Or I, yeah, yeah. Nah, I can't talk. I need to drink. Hold up. <laughs> well, the, but did I get the it right? Original. <laughs> yes, you did. The the original Cheshire Cat, as voiced by Sterling Holloway. Yes, your I mean, yeah. your, your favorite character, and yes, what you looked like when you were done with your sets, and and what was really fun was we used to do these. Uh, we would actually have you guys come and perform at one of the wrestling shows I was working. We did a rock and wrestling show. You oh, guys would perform yeah. for the fans. And then you got to just sit back and enjoy the the wrestling show. And your buddy Wayne got really into those shows. I don't know if he was big into oh. wrestling or not, but he didn't have to be. He would heckle people. He was up in the he was up against the ropes in the front, yelling and screaming, just having the time of his life. I think uh, at the end of that one show in Matamoris, he was in the ring at the end. I'm pretty sure he did get in the ring. <laughs> Not he, during he the actual well, show. Yeah, no, not, not during the show. show. <laughs> he he, he did bad. love wrestling. Well, yeah, he did love wrestling, actually. And yes. it was like it was a, a huge thing for him to go and do this. Um, you know, for for you guys who don't know, it was a, um, a smaller uh, wrestling organization that Chris uh, Chris was the commissioner. That's that's where he got no, the commissioner O'Neill. I was actually the ring announcer there. Yeah, I yeah, I know, but you were still a yeah. commish. <laughs> I, I guess I actually did do a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So yeah, we could we could go with that. But yeah, and that you always was, had uh, the jacket. Uh, always, always had the jacket. Yeah. It was yeah. it was ran by a gentleman named Johnny Glitter. He was a old timey wrestling guy. He did some WWFB shows. Uh, he managed a couple of famous wrestlers like. Owen Hart and the Road Warriors, but it was always on B show stuff, so he's not very well known. In fact, probably the most well known thing he ever did were those awful billionaire Ted skits where they mocked Ted Turner and he played the Huckster, which was the elderly Hulk Hogan. Probably the <laughs> most famous thing he's probably known for. But he he kinda talked with this very, very specific voice there where you could tell that he done took one too many bumps in the ring and he t but everybody from that era talked like that but he was really into the show he, we had a good time doing it uh he he didn't always uh get his words correct 
Like the one yep. time he tried to say that he was sick with pneumonia and said he was sick with ammonia and people started freaking dying laughing. Well, that'll make you sick. I mean, it will. <laughs> or, uh, or John, our friend Johnny Toxic, who wrestled for the promotion, his favorite was always, and I, I m- must have glossed over this because he said, he said something about he, he know he's he was. I know I'm not in shape anymore, and I don't eat my Winkies like I'm supposed to. And oh I, I think he meant to say Wheaties, but I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. Oh but, my goodness. <laughs> oh man. And I. I but my all-time favorite story connection with wrestling and you, Andy, was the uh-huh. time you you challenged the one of the top wrestlers was a guy named Jack Molson, who was probably about the same size as you at the time. You've both slimmed down considerably since this this happened, but at the time you were just about the same size. You looked like you could have been in the ring going with this guy. Super heavyweight. And He's cutting a standard heel bad guy promo for those of you who don't know wrestling speak, but he's cutting a standard bad guy promo and he's jaw jacking with you because all night you guys had been the loud rowdy people in the crowd. And I was so entertained by that. (laughs) And I just remember he said, he said, you want to come in here and challenge me? And you stood up, ripped your shirt off. And challenged him to a fight and must have blacked out because when you sat back down, you looked at our buddy Tim and asked him, why don't I have my shirt on anymore? (laughs) I totally, I did exactly that. You're, you're 100% accurate. Um, First off, I want to say that going to those shows and being able to perform music at those shows was awesome just from a band standpoint, but also for the fact that I had friends involved in the, in the wrestling match, you, Johnny toxic, you know, uh, um, Simsack used to ring the bell. I mean, there was a a bunch of us. Yeah. Yeah. Joey image. There was a hi. I miss you, bro. It's been too long. There was a bunch of us that knew each other. So it was always a lot of fun. And we were rowdy on purpose because you're supposed to be rowdy. It's a wrestling match. And I knew that they would work off of us being rowdy. So I didn't hold back. And uh, I I remember exactly that sitting down looking at Tim going, why why do I have my shirt off? And Molson and I were just going back and forth. And I, he said, oh, I think he said something like, oh, you think you could come up in here? And, and I just, I, I jumped up and ripped my shirt off and I, I flexed and everybody went nuts. <laughs> yeah, that was a, so, what was funny about that was you broke him because he didn't have a comeback for that. Right. You broke, right. you broke me, which I was mad about because I was actually doing a really good job keeping a straight face from you guys the whole time. And that was the moment that did it. And our buddy Tim, who has just as many one-liners as you do, you broke him. He yeah, didn't even know what hard. to say anymore. He was done. Everybody that, was done at that. That's hard. That's, <laughs> to, to, to keep to keep Tim from having a one-liner. That's uh, that's a feather in my cap. And John, John, I'm sure he's listening to this. John, who is <laughs> who always has that monotone delivery when he's super serious <laughs> about something, he comes up to me after the show and just deadpan goes, why did Andy take his shirt off? <laughs> just, 
completely. We had we had such a good time at those shows. John was also involved in a very famous incident that involved a quarter inch fuse show. Oh, I was going to talk about this. This is fantastic. So we all we all have a tendency to tell stories on here. You know, Eric and I have told some of our favorite theme park stories. And Eric, I don't think I ever told you this story. So (laughs) sit back and enjoy a moment of stupidity that doesn't actually involve us. (laughs) We need we need more of this. So John had just gotten a brand new Nissan. This was back in 2004 and it was an 04 Nissan. He just had it brand brand spanking new had really put a lot of my a lot of miles why? on it I don't why did know. he have a new car you know why he had a new car well i have to get to that <laughs> so okay <laughs> i mean he had it john did not exactly have the greatest driving record in the world and he apparently it ran in his family because i think his dad had totaled a car by hitting a school bus and i know his youngest brother totaled a car too very shortly after getting his license. So maybe it just ran in the family. John had a very high accident record. And I live in the state of Pennsylvania where car insurance is very affordable. Very affordable. And John actually found this out that he was paying the fourth highest rate of any citizen of the state of Pennsylvania at the time. Because his accident rate was so high that it was the only rate he could pay. <laughs> And John insisted oh, on driving to the show because he had a brand new car. And we're, we were teasing him about crashing this car because it was brand new. And he's like, that's not going to I'm not going to do this. So we we have this we have this great show. It was a Halloween theme show. Uh, a bunch of our friends yeah. were there. You guys put on a fantastic. And I think what we were going to do is we were going to. We were going to, like, meet up at a diner or something like that. Something simple like that. I think we were going to go. Oh, no, we had already done that. We we went to the show was at the Oakland Elks Lodge. And then we went to the Pompton Queen Diner. That's right. We were going. We were just on the way home. We had. Yep. And it was our buddy Tim was in the car and my buddy Chris Kubik, who I know is going to listen to this episode because I told him you were on it. And we were What's just, going on, man? <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about this. And I said, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell the John accident story. And he goes, you'll have to be more specific. And I started. <laughs> <laughs> and John, I know, John, I know you're listening to this. We love you, man. But even, but even John will be the first one to admit that his driving record sucked ass back then. He'll be the first yeah. one to tell you that. It happens. What can you do? So he's, I don't know what happened. He's approaching a red light on Route 23 in New Jersey and for some reason didn't stop and just rear ends a geo tracker, which in turn rear ended a car in front of it. Another geo, by the way. I, <laughs> and it was in front of an Applebee's, which is where we ended up in the parking lot of, which is how I remember this so vividly. It was like there's an Applebee's attached to a Wendy's right on the street corner. And I, the, so we're taking care of all this stuff. The car looks awful. John's upset. Tim's furiously smoking a cigarette because he. he That's right. He, he used to smoke. I forgot. Yes. Actually, I at the time, I hadn't turned 21 yet. And I was trying to get Tim to buy me a beer at the show. And he refused. Right. And he said, listen, he goes, 
I'm like, dude, I'm going to be I'm going to be 21 in like two weeks. He goes, it's the principle of it. He just refused to do it. And I remember yeah. him going, this is a really shitty way for me to prove my point. <laughs> and I, I do agree with that. I'm not going to yeah. say the, the famous word that Tim said when John actually had the accident. Yeah. It so yeah car, 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 good job. Blank. Yeah. It begins. Yeah. It begins. It's a six letter word that begins with an R. Yeah. You should be able to figure it out by that, by that point. Yeah. Chris laughed the whole time. Chris was like, Chris did the opposite reaction. He, he just started laughing. He was just laughing about it. He goes, man, this is funny. He goes, this is going to be a good story someday. But the so, highlight so- of it. Yes, was when we saw your Cadillac drive by the scene of the accident. <laughs> so, so now here I am. My um, my significant other at the time and I had taken two separate vehicles because I needed to get there early to set all my equipment up. So right. I'm on the phone and I'm coming up on a light and I'm like, oh man, I hope that's not my friends. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, I got to call you back. So I call Toxic and... As he opens the flip phone, I hear the sound of the hydraulics on the tow truck picking up the car. John, John, is that you? Yeah. Yeah, it's me. Are you guys okay? Yeah. Yeah, we're okay. John, you didn't drink anything, did you? No. No, I didn't. Okay. What the heck? (laughs) Yeah. I was was just like. Unpleasant end of the evening. Oh man, we had such a good time too, and like nobody did anything stupid. Oh man, nobody. You, I don't. You I don't t- understand how he. Okay, I understand that they were geos, right? They're small cars, but they're not invisible. Like, I don't. It oh. was a red light. I don't know what he. If he just, I don't you know, know man. He, he was, could. Was was he falling asleep or something? Because I can no. understand that. Like, I think he just. So I think that was his thing. He just wasn't paying attention. He had he had a bad habit of either not we weren't even like having a big conversation in the car or anything. And I just remember I just remember I saw what was about to happen and I just braced for it. And I was yeah, like, God I didn't, damn I didn't it. See you guys at any shows after that. <laughs> John, well, I didn't have a reliable enough car at the time. And I sh- sure as hell wasn't letting him drive. Yeah. Well, and you know, the one thing you're forgetting is that Tim got in the car with John and Tim never, never rode with anybody. Yes. And he was uh, not even not even me. And he trusted me a lot. Yeah. So it was a huge deal that Tim gave that up and rode with somebody else. And the one time that he did. Again, to quote him, that's a really shitty way to prove my point. <laughs> there was, but yeah, uh, it makes for a really funny story to reflect back on, and we we still joke about it to this day. But like, I just remember that was that was one of the first shows I had ever attended of yours where the show went off without a hitch. All the bands got along; nobody fought over over time because you've had. Right. I remember you having those conversations where you're like, yeah. oh, you'd come up to me through gritted teeth. These motherfuckers are 20 minutes over their set. <laughs> just, yeah. 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 And everybody got along. You're right. Nobody did anything stupid. We all had fun. Everything was, it was like a flawless hitch of a show. And then that was how you cap off the night. And 
Yeah, we didn't do a lot of riding with John after that. <laughs> but uh, I, I feel I feel bad, John. I'm sure you're listening, man. I hope you don't think we're like beating up on you too bad, bro. We love you, and he's, and honestly, like he's still I miss those times. Story. He's still laughing. Oh, well, well, that's good. As long as he's still laughing, like I, I, I always enjoyed the times where you guys would come down to see us, or we would come up to to see you guys doing the wrestling thing. I remember I mean, there's... you said you saw the temp tags, and you're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was like, uh, "Oh!" And at the time, Eric, I had a I had a big black Cadillac with like blacked out windows and like a black cloth top on it and a little you know i'm I'm half sicilian i had a little guinea flag painted on the trunk i mean it was super super italian looking my father used to call it the parmesan package so there was like <laughs> there was no way that i could drive that car anywhere and you didn't know it was me <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually chris I, I think i remember you telling me uh, as I drove by, Tim going, oh, there goes Andy. <laughs> and, yeah, he goes, he goes, there goes Andy. He goes, I bet we'll be hearing from him any second. And then John's phone starts ringing. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Oh, it, it makes for an entertaining story. But yeah, I remember like, because I remember that was a Halloween theme show that went, went flawless. Yep. We were all wearing costumes. And I remember the show right before Christmas was when... You you and Tim basically emptied your pockets into my hands and said, "Please hold this," because you guys were about to go. Oh, kill. oh, that was that. Oh man! All right, so Chris, you've known me, uh, Eric. This may come as a surprise, but you know, I, I get kind of loud sometimes when I get mad. Um, <laughs> Freaking drummers! And 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 honestly, uh, if I'm yelling and stuff, it's probably okay. Things are all right. If I've gone from yelling and being red in the face to speaking very quietly in a monotone <laughs> voice, uh, like I did that evening as I handed my wallet and my keys and my cell phone to Chris, um, get me out of there because things are about to go horribly wrong. <laughs> so, that was, so we got that, that was in almost common. A, we got that Yeah, that common, was almost man. a very bad situation. Yeah. Well, I tell people all the time, listen, if I'm yelling and screaming, it's cool. That's like, don't worry about it. I'm, that, nothing's going to happen. I'm not a, I'm not a hit first kind of person anyway. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, all of a sudden I got really quiet and, uh, it was like, Oh boy, this is a problem. Yeah. That was, yeah. that was fun. Unfortunately, Chris got to, more of those. You got, you got to see the scary side of me then. I was just happy I wasn't on the other side of that receiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that guy, that guy put his hand up on my shoulder. I, I I don't know if you remember, and I like grabbed his thumb and bent it all the way backwards, and and just instructed him that he needed to take his hands off of me. And I think at that point he, he realized it was a serious situation. Well, and then, he found religion in that moment. <laughs> uh, so, somehow, somehow that situation resolved itself. That was just the extent of it, but. Oh, I know yeah. what it was. My my friend's band, Fuckface, was playing, and they went and turned all, these guys. Yes, that's the name band. of the band, guys. Yes, the name with of a, their band with a P H P H U C K P H A C E. Yep, uh, and they went and turned the lights on in the house while they were playing, which in band etiquette is a huge no no. Like you might as well have jumped up on stage and told them all to do something horrible with their mothers um that's that's pretty much the extent of that right and and then uh you know i was pretty po'd about it and then 
uh, then the guy tried to approach me like like everything was cool and yeah, it just didn't go over well. <laughs> Morgan Freeman, things weren't in this situation were not cool. <laughs> <laughs> things were not, in fact, cool. You know what? I think I'm about to kick that guy's ass. Somebody ought to kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's like get out of my band show, you bastard. <laughs> I know, dropping the Peter Griffin. These freaking Jersey guys doing Boston <laughs> accents. I, I I haven't uh, I haven't done Peter in a long time. I used to do him a lot. <laughs> I remember because you used to call me Quagmire, and <laughs> that's right. And oh. that voice would come out all the time. Oh my god! Oh. It was funny, but it's like, oh, oh damn, here gosh. we go again. One of my favorite things, though, was after your shows when we would go, we would go get loaded and then go to Denny's, be out till three oh, in the yeah. morning. Such oh, we we did the the Perkins thing after the wrestling show. Yeah, we went we went to Perkins. Yep. We, yep. That was when uh, we had the one show we did right after when Snakes on a Plane came out when our our good friend Andrew, who's now a lawyer, yes, was, was uh, out and, with us and getting married, getting, getting married, married yes. Yeah, uh, and I remember it. That was when he famously said that he had finally heard the the greatest line in cinema history. That I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane, and was belly laughing out loud at a Perkins in rural yeah. Pennsylvania because it was the funniest line he ever heard in his life. So, like, I gotta set this up for Eric. So, Eric, it's it's like eleven o'clock at night, right? We loaded up our music gear. I helped them break down the ring and load up all that stuff, which is a lot of work. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to do, and usually they pretty much just left it on Chris, John, and Justin Glory and Joey Image. <laughs> Am I right, Chris? I mean, more more often than not. Fortunately, at that time. Uh... We, we had some other people that were helping out. Like, we had CJ there. Oh, yeah, and CJ yeah, yeah. always helped out with the ring crew. And that, a lot of a lot of the people who would kind of stay and hang out, like, the, the classic, uh, the guys that Glitter Train were always the ones that would really stay behind. And we understand, we didn't expect right. everyone to stay. We understand that, but that was always one of those things where, like, if you can stay, we'd very much appreciate it because it is a lot to do. Right. So we get to Perkins. They're open 24 hours. And there's like 20 of us. There's nobody in the Perkins. So like we have this entire dining room. We've got like five tables pushed together. And uh, one of the wrestlers that was there was uh, Justin Glory. And didn't, didn't he have a cardboard cutout of himself? Possibly. I think I may remember that being a thing. That that had its own seat at the table. Like he wasn't doing it. Like it, it was done ironically. It wasn't like he thought he was so awesome that he brought this with him. It was it was more for more for like a gag. And uh, you know, there I don't was, know if you. Yeah, there was a story as to how he got it, but I don't remember. I, I'd have to ask him about that. Cause I, and I I plan to invite him on this show in the future to talk about his because uh, he runs his own promotion now and, and it's a training school and a promotion oh back that's awesome entertainment. that's I've, awesome i've worked a couple of shows very professionally done he has everything organized he has original or maybe not original but non-copyright music for all the gu- all the guys and girls so right. he doesn't have to worry about editing stuff and selling it we did right. um he he did a he did like an eye pay-per-view like a little an internet pay per view up in Scranton that I got to, I got to perform on 
God, so much fun guy. And the guy really does know his stuff. He he kind of looks like if if Shawn Michaels and Jesus had a baby, that would be Justin Glory. He kind of looks like a hybrid of them. That's pretty accurate. But yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't remember how we had that cardboard cut out, but I, I, now that you're mentioning it, I distinctly remember it sitting at the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, why not? But you know, that's the other th- thing. Music and wrestling have a lot in common where we're always on the go. We're always in different places. You have to adjust to and... You're, you're always in front of different people. Even when you you have your regulars, you know you're going to get different people everywhere you go that are going to come out and be like, oh, hey, music or wrestling, I want to check this out. And they don't know who you are, so you have to treat it like it's your first time performing for them. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, when we played in Madame Morris, nobody up there knew who we were. No, but they loved you. Not a, not a clue. We had a lot of fun. Can I can I mention like some of the stuff that we used to play? Is that is that okay to do? Yeah, absolutely. Please and, and please talk about it because I used to love the covers you guys would perform. All right, so we did we did covers and we did originals. Um, our covers we used to always open with uh, "Bulls on Parade" by Rage Against the Machine, uh, which you know I mean I'm sure you guys all know that song. It's it's fantastic. I love Rage. Uh, we used to do. Um, Oh, we covered uh, Got the Time, which is actually Anthrax covering Joe Jackson. We did the Anthrax version of that. We did – that was a lot of fun to learn. That was a lot of work for the bass player, but he really really liked it. Uh, We used to cover War Pigs. Um, We did uh, Bro Him Tribute by Pennywise. We used to do a whole medley of Misfits tunes. Um, Mother – Oh, yeah, we did Mother. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did that. Um, Danzig. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. (laughs) I I distinctly remember doing that at the the last show that that we ever played where I recorded. All right, so so I convinced our our boss and advisor, Tony Salimo, to let me record our last show as my project for a class I was in with him. And yeah. uh, Tim and I, I rented a van and literally took every piece of sound reinforcement gear out of the college and brought it brought it to a, uh, a hall that we had rented out. Uh, so we had like eight powered monitors, uh, four on the floor as like wedge monitors, four on stands, had a, a 5,000 watt amplifier and corner loaded two 18 inch subwoofers. I had like... I don't know, three or four thousand dollars in microphones just on the drum kit alone. The the drum set took up like eight or nine channels on the console, and I had a a, a thirty a thirty two channel console. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Wow! And I, and I ran I ran everything into a computer that I built. So crazy, but that's just it. Like you had, you had the right passion for all that stuff. And you never got into it to be you never got into it to to make to be a rock star and make all this money. You weren't one of those guys. You did it because you genuinely loved it. And those have always been, in my opinion, the best performers of all time. Well, thank you. We never we never made money. We never made any money. But we, you know, just like you said, we didn't. 
we didn't do it for that. Like we yeah. wanted to get out and play. I mean, eventually we, we had hoped that like we'd be able to put an album together and then, you know, do it at that point. But we were just having a good time, like playing the rock and wrestling thing. Like we weren't expecting to get money from that. We knew we weren't going to, we did it because you guys asked us and we were like, Oh my God, this is going to be the coolest thing. We would love to do it. We had a really you know? good turnout for that show too. Cause we had a, cause a lot of people came to see the, the, both the band when I mean, we had we had friends of ours who came up who had no idea who you guys were but they were the wrestling fans that would keep coming to our shows and then we had fans of ours who were there who knew you guys and came up and then enjoyed the wrestling show because they knew you so we had a really cool mixture of people there and everyone had yeah, it was a lot, a lot of fun it was a lot of fun and uh really quickly uh because i know our time's getting away from us can can i talk about cash for katrina Yes, please do, because I actually still have that shirt. I wear it to bed a lot. Okay, so um, when Hurricane Katrina hit in um, New Orleans, I was actually in Disney World. Um, so I came home and was it, started college and was like, all right, um, we need to do something for these people. I, I felt compelled. Like, what can I do? So in a matter of 26 days, we put together a fundraising event at the college. We had a five or six bands. And what we did was, uh, with the help of the broadcasting department and, uh, and Tony Salimo, who is the man, um, we were able to have the college's first live broadcast ever on EDTV Channel 20. Um, our, the local cable company actually came to run special cable so that we would have enough bandwidth to send the live video and audio feed to them. Uh, and, um, we, we had, we had, uh, five bands from the, from the college and, uh, and we played and had a great time. There was some BS involved. Uh, one of the bands that I brought on called the newspaper and told them that they organized the entire thing. And, uh, mm -hmm. at the time I was absolutely livid. Um, but, uh, their band sounded horrible. So, and it's a long time ago. So, you know, whatever, but it was a ton of fun. I mean, we had a, we had a guy like 25 feet in the air on a cherry picker with a camera doing overheads. We gutted out the yeah. security van. Tim made it a mobile production truck. He was doing live video switching, on the go coolest things ever because it was like we were really putting on a big time performance because we had an entire van dude eric yep. you had to see this stuff it was it was just like you would see like it looked like one of those storm chaser vans you've seen all the crap they have in there just full of yeah. monitors and switchboards and yep it looked it looked friggin' phenomenal we had all the crap running out the back door onto onto tables with more crap running from that so they recorded uh, it they, yeah. they used to replay it on the channel for years to the point like five years later, I was at the local watering hole, the old Vernon Inn, which isn't there anymore. And I'm singing karaoke and on the TV screen behind me, I'm playing drums. And some drunk guy comes out and goes, hey, this is, aren't you the guy on the TV over there playing the drums? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's a, you know, that's a concert that we did for the the red cross disaster relief oh man this this guy this guy he can sing uh, he can he can play the drum you see he's on tv holy shit 
<laughs> so Carly made this guy's night, you know. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, oh, and we took that footage, and uh, Tim actually put together a press kit DVD with fully recursive sub menus. Um, I did voiceovers, and Jason Shin was actually one of the people. Jay Bunny bought one of the copies of our of our DVD. It was a DVD of that concert. Yeah. I was a that was a fun night. Oh, the guy in the oh, cherry yeah. picker. Do you know? Do you know the backstory behind that? Or were yes, Tony, Tony. Tony put him up there because he kept walking away. Yeah, he kept disappearing. We couldn't find him, so Tony Tony yep. assigned him to the cherry picker so he wouldn't run away again. I I remember that he kept him twenty five feet in the air for the whole show. Wrapped him up in the air because that's yep. what you get for continuing to disappear on us. Yeah. Well, you know what. Tony was very good at solving problems without being aggressive. Yes, which is, which is the Italian. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's the smart, the smart Italian. He smart listen. Italian, the, yeah. the kid, the kid felt good. He felt important because he was doing his thing, and Tony got him to stop running away. Yeah, problem solved itself. That yeah. was a lot of fun, though. All right, Andy, what I'm going to do to, to kind of wrap up our little talk with you here, and you, I've, I've had a blast talking to you, and I want I definitely want to have you back on in the future, especially when you got the drum kit all good to go. Maybe you can perform a little bit in the background. We'll, we'll hear some. Oh, uh, oh, goodness. Right. Maybe we can, like, uh, stream it on Twitch or something so we actually have some video and uh, some pictures up and, you know, people could see it or something. Oh my yeah. god, that'd be totally you know what? Awesome. I'll I'll post the picture if you don't mind. I'll post the picture you sent me of the drum kit on our on our uh, nerd table Facebook page after the episode yeah, just, goes up. Just make sure you you notate that it's a work in progress. Yes. Well, well, yeah. I'll, it'll go up after the episode has posted, so people will have hopefully heard this. Okay. All right. Understand. Fair enough. But real quick before before we let you go here, I just want to ask uh, a big music question that I think is. Uh, I, I think everybody, anybody who is involved with music, I think they have to answer this. And I, it's kind of a three-parter, but I'm just going to say Nickelback. Overrated, as every, like the internet says, or underappreciated? I'm going to say underappreciated. They're actually a really good band. Everybody liked them until the internet said nobody should like Nickelback. Right. Kind of like the Phantom Menace. I feel like nobody hated the Phantom yes. Menace until the internet told them to. I. You guys talked about this, I'm pretty sure, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We. Yeah. We have. And I, I agreed with that conversation 100. <laughs> percent Okay. Uh, the next artist I got to mention, Imagine Dragons, who Corey Taylor has referenced as the new Nickelback. Thoughts on that? I've, I've never heard of them. Okay. You've never heard of Imagine Dragons? That's that's a that's a <laughs> swing and a miss. I'm sorry, guys. Okay. That is that is fair. That is fair. I actually, I I like Imagine Dragons, but they did a song for one of my favorite games, uh, uh, League of Legends. So that's how I got introduced to them. But they're not bad. Yeah. Wait, I don't. Wait, I don't wait. think. Did they do? Did they do Radioactive? That Radioactive. Yes. Tune? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's them. Oh, oh I, I, I think that's a great song. I don't know any of their other work, but um, I've never been in a position where I've heard that song and went. Oh God, this song again! I think it's pretty cool, right? And then, oh God, you know what? I, it's it's going to be a four parter because I just thought of another artist I have to mention. All right, is Weird Al not one of the quintessential musicians of our of all time? Like he's top guy. He he needs to go down in the hall of fame. Have you ever seen him live? That was my first concert, actually. 
Okay. I saw him at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, and he did 26 or 27 songs and had a costume change for every song. His band was absolutely perfect with every single parody, and he was fantastic. So that's that's what I have to say about that. And I'm trying to remember who it was that they did the interview with, but they said they knew they made it because Weird Al had decided to parody their song. I don't remember if that's oh, what... Oh, uh, Avril Lavigne. Oh, Avril Lavigne said that. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yep. And, cause I rem- and I remember, I think Kurt Cobain said something similar. I remember the first thing he said was, is it going to be about food? And he said no. And he explained what it was. And Kurt Cobain was like, that's actually pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. We're going to make fun you of you You know who guys. wasn't a you fan? Know? Coolio. Coolio no, was not a fan. Man, Coolio <laughs> was... He was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> no, they have since buried the hatchet. Uh, Chameleonaire actually posted white and nerdy on his MySpace page when it came out and was like, dude, this is amazing. Everyone needs to hear this. <laughs> like, <laughs> and That's I, awesome. have, I have to I'll, I'll close with these guys. I have to mention them because if this is a perfect example of having a gimmick and having a fan base that's very unique to you, your thoughts on the insane clown posse. Oh, um, I'm just going to say that there's a whole bunch of words that'll come out of my mouth that are not appropriate. <laughs> well, that's the perfect way to sum that up. That's 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 all that I have never met a person who was a fan of them who wasn't an absolute, complete and total asshole. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, <laughs> that's the perfect way to wrap this up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Some people are going to get mad, but um, that's that's just been my experience. Eh, You know, (laughs) those people. Yeah, I I warned you at the beginning. You're going to get letters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I don't really I don't really like them either. So I don't care if I get letters about that. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) So really, who who gives a who gives a damn? Uh, So if you guys are ever interested in any of uh quarter inch fuses music maybe some way we'll be able to get some of that stuff online so people can check you guys out what you guys used to be there's only one person i know who has that stuff well then we might have to well then we might have to talk to him and get him to to hook us up with some of that stuff if he still has it Uh, i i wish i wish everybody could experience you guys at your heyday the way I did. Cause I think everybody would have had a good time. Thank you. Thank you but, so much. But, but Andy, thank you so much for coming on the nerd table with us. Good luck on your drum kit. I cannot wait to see the finished product and I will happily post pictures of it all over our social media pages, which you guys can follow on Facebook and Twitter. And we will make sure that everybody sees this finished drum kit that you're building. Cause I've never talked to anybody who built their own kit. Well, you know, um, Real quick, Chris, it's like, you know, you, you want you want a certain car and you buy the car and you strip it down to the bare frame and put everything brand new in it. And that's that's basically what I'm doing. It's it's your toy. It's your your pet it project. Is. It's and it looks awesome. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming on the nerd table, Andy. Thank you. You yeah, guys are fantastic, by the way. Um, oh, thank you. Eric, thank you. Eric and Chris. 
I like I I listen to you guys a lot, and I I keep saying, "Oh, I got to call in," and then, duh, I remember I'm listening to a podcast, and I can't call in, and I usually frantically text Chris while he's at work, whatever my reaction is to the thing that I just listened to. Keep doing what you guys are doing, man. It's it's really really interesting. And, um, you know, you guys are doing a great job and it's really been a pleasure to come on and talk to you guys. Pleasure to talk to you and be a little more specific when you text me, because when I get LMAO, that story was hysterical. I need you to be a little more specific because I have no <laughs> idea where you are in the program at that point. <laughs> yeah. I was referring to Vince McMahon and the 36 inch dong. Oh, my God. Yeah, that <laughs> that that. that oh, <laughs> We're going to reflect just, on that again. Just okay. hearing these Vince McMahon stories, wow. Like, I, I ended up doing some more research, just kind of looking in, and I can't believe this guy actually exists. He does. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, like, holy I'm, I'm, shit. I'm kind of blowing my editing spot here, but we're, we haven't recorded the intro for the show yet, but I will get, I'm going to, you guys have, well, I've already heard another Vince McMahon story by the time. You've, got, you've gotten to this part, so hope you enjoyed that. Kind of blowing out of the spot here, but... Oh, yeah. man. Well, Andy, thank you very much, and come back anytime, man. It was thank nice you. hearing from you, Andy. Thank you for coming on to the show. Thanks a bunch, man. You guys are great. Hey, everybody. This is Matt Hardman here with the Race Nerd Podcast right here on CKCC Radio. Tune in each and every week where I bring you race results from the world of NASCAR world of IndyCar and racing around the globe along with insights, uh, news stories, and a pop quiz nose. So tune in each and every week right here on CKCC Radio wherever you find your podcasting needs. Well there you have it guys, that was my good friend Andy talking all about music building that drum kit. I'm going to put that picture up on our social media pages, just as promised, because I want you guys to actually see this. Uh, looks pretty cool right now, but like I said, I've never known anybody to actually... All the years I've known Andy, he never actually put together his own drum kit, so really cool stuff I wish here. I could see the picture. <laughs> you will see the picture. Yeah, I'm like, I Andy, thank, thank you for coming on to the show, man. I actually really enjoyed our, the, that interview. Like, uh, it, it lasted... A lot longer than I thought. Like, it didn't feel like it. I literally looked down and I was like, oh, hey. And I had to put in a little warning and everything. I was like, hey, we're way over. Yeah. But you know what? All, people will see the length of the show and they should get excited because that just means more more nerdy goodness yeah. here for you guys to enjoy. Uh, we have a, a fun future episode coming up here. As you guys know, because I told Vince McMahon stories earlier and we talked about the rock and wrestling connection in the interview. Um one of the things I want to do with my buddy Dan Peck from Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk is we're going to kind of do a little crossover episode here. He's going to come on the show and join us. And what we're going to do is we're going to do an episode all about all the wrestlers who have appeared in other forms of media. So we're going to talk about movies with wrestlers in them. Uh, just as an example, The Princess Bride with Andre the Giant. Um, we're going to talk about wrestlers who've made appearances on TV shows. Like we're going to talk about Brett the Hitman Hart on The Simpsons. <laughs> it's a really funny cameo. And just like the influence and in everything here, what I want to do is I know a lot of people who listen to this show aren't big wrestling fans. And you guys may not know a lot of stuff about it, but I want to make sure you guys I'm going to make sure that you guys are entertained by everything that that we talk about here. And I won't make anything too inside jargony for you or anything like that. So 
And if there is something kind of inside, I'll explain it. But if people like those Vince McMahon stories because he's just so crazy, then, I mean, there's some really cool stuff to talk about in the world of wrestling. And I'll say this now. Uh, I'll Any excuse to talk about the movie They Live, I will take that opportunity to discuss it. With uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David as the, the lead roles there. John Carpenter film. My favorite John Carpenter film, as a matter of fact, is They Live. Absolute favorite one. And there's a whole list of stuff. And yes... We'll talk about the Rocks movies. I've seen a decent number of them. And for the most part, they're actually pretty good. I'll, and I'll also uh, I'll bury some of John Cena's movies, which were not as good. <laughs> so, you know, there'll be some. And, oh, and we'll talk about some of those Hulk Hogan disaster films that came out in the 80s. We'll talk about that. So that's what we got coming up on an upcoming episode. I don't think that'll be next week. Uh, maybe the week after. And then we do have uh, Jeff Trellowitz scheduled to come on as well in October. Because, yeah, it'll be the last week of September, and then I want to have Jeff on early October. And we're going to have an episode all about uh, paranormal stuff in media. We'll talk about ghosts, aliens, and cryptids in pop culture and even in real life. And we can get your thoughts and opinions on some of this stuff. We'll interview Jeff about his experience in the field, being an, a- an amateur ghost hunter, some of the evidence he's actually caught, and uh, what 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 we believe in is is Bigfoot real? Are aliens real? Are they visiting? There's a whole conversation we're going to have there, and we'll tie that into some of our pop culture stuff. We will talk about little Ghostbusters or Armageddon, as we mentioned during the interview with Andy. You guys just heard great movie, very scientifically right. inaccurate, but great movie. <laughs> you don't have to be accurate to be entertaining. Right. But we could talk about a lot of aliens and pop culture and what we think is uh, is ac- is accurate to what might happen and what may not be. So that's what you got to look forward to here on the Nerd Table. But man, so much going on, Eric, and so much to talk about. I didn't even get to talk about uh, they announced a third season of Harley Quinn that'll be on HBO Max. We'll talk about that a little more in depth next week. But do you have any final closing comments for our wonderful fans before we wrap up this Nerd Table? Thank you for listening. Thank you for listen, like just staying all the way till the end. Uh, again, if you have any advice, go ahead, send it our way. Yeah, we didn't even uh, have time for advice this week, but I know there there was just that interview was so good. Like I said, I guess t- you know how they say time flies when you're having fun. That that is definitely the truth. So hopefully you guys had as much fun as we did, I and so. I guess we'll see you on the next one. We shall. We'll be back next week for another episode of The Nerd Table and lots more fun stuff coming up for you guys. You won't want to miss out. See ya! See ya. Let's go grab something to eat. Yes, I'm starving. Let's go. For more great content like this, be sure to check out CKCC Radio and subscribe to never miss an episode.